Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, everybody, and thank you for choosing King Jordan Radio for June 3rd, 2014. This is King Jordan you're listening to. Today we're going to have, scheduled to have at least, a referee, former referee of WCW and WWE, referee Billy Silverman. Before we start the program, I must remind you, we have a super spectacular show tomorrow with five defense attorneys uh, and one lawyer, uh, body language, it's called OJ20. Tune in tomorrow, 9 p.m., 20 years of, of uh, what happened in that big trial, which was much, much see. Today's show, we will go over the pay-per-view, uh, speak to Silverman, and uh, much, much more. Let me introduce guest number one out of Chicago where the pay-per-view was held. He is our wrestling insider. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Double J, JJ. Good evening, JJ, and welcome to King Jordan Radio. How are you? Hey, King. Great to be on. Like you said, big show uh, covering the payback pay-per-view from Sunday. Yesterday, uh, Monday Night Raw had a shocking conclusion, so we'll definitely get into all that, and uh, as well as much more tonight here on King Jordan Radio. No question about it. Let's see uh, who we have with us. Let's go over to line three. Is it Dominic? Is it Blackjack? Who do we got? Okay. Let's try line four. Do we have Dominic or Blackjack? Brother King, JJ, how are you, brothers? There we go. Okay, the blackjack Billy uh, uh, knows you, and that he uh, he remembered you, so that's why he's coming on. I think. Who's that? So uh, kudos to you. Who? Billy Silverman. Billy Silverman. Oh man, one of the greatest guys I've met in my life as far as uh, refereeing. Wow. Well, scheduled to join us. At 8.15. Oh, that would be great. Yes. Uh, of course, I do getting the wrestlers work these days. Uh, and, you know, but, uh, that's another story. Uh, but uh, let's start with uh, the uh, pay-per-view called Payback. And, uh, J.J., uh, give me your opinion on that. Well, your payback in Chicago is the second annual payback. Again, the second pay-per-view to be held in Chicago. The first payback last year also in Chicago. I don't know if this is going to be a future tradition or not. We'll see. But I really, uh, I actually enjoyed the payback pay-per-view. I thought it was a lot better than last year, uh, last month's Extreme Rules. And uh, even I heard that Stone Cold Steve Austin actually subscribed to the WWE Network just so he could watch payback. So if the Texas Rattlesnake will subscribe to the network just to watch the pay-per-view, it must be pretty good. And actually it was. I really thought 
you know, they delivered. Uh, it was a pretty solid show from start to finish. You know, everybody sort of came through. And I was very curious whether or not this would be a, a good show or not because earlier in the week, the NXT brand had their sort of, not really a pay-per-view, but they call them special events. And they had their second special event called NXT TakeOver, which I thought was a, a great show as well. There was maybe two or three matches that were excellent. And I couldn't help but wonder whether or not the sort of developmental minor league would outshine the WWE's pay-per-view. That was something I was thinking about, and I'm sure a lot of people in the WWE were thinking about. They didn't want NXT to outshine the WWE. And thankfully that didn't happen. Like I said, payback, you know, a good show. Everybody sort of came through. There weren't really any bad matches, you know, the... The Divas match was what it was. There was a match between uh, Kofi Kingston and Bo Dallas that got interrupted. But I don't really count that. But I think everything else was just solid. Was that all about a, I mean, Bo Dallas, who I met, uh, that's also IRS's kid, another one of his kids. I met him in Florida uh, back in '09, um, and he was training there. Uh, what is he, a part of NXT? Yes, Bo Dallas was a part of NXT, although he has been brought up to the main roster. His character is sort of, you know, that very positive. He gives these inspirational uh, quotes. He wants you to believe. And if you remember, like, when The Rock came into the WWE back in, was it 96 or 95, and he was that young, kind of happy blue chipper, glad to be there, smiling, wide-eyed, big uh, grin. Bo Dallas kind of uh, reminds me of that. He has that kind of big grin, that wide eyed He's happy to be there. But unlike The Rock, who was the ultimate sort of baby face, the ultimate good guy, and that kind of got on people's nerves. People were kind of sick of seeing him smiling in his goofy outfit and his goofy hair. And they just kind of resented him. Even though he was, a, you know, your ultimate good guy, you're supposed to be cheering him, and people hated him. With Bo Dallas, who has you know, like I said, it's very positive and happy and smiling, and people just are sick of it. But unlike, like I said, The Rock, this is Bo Dallas's character. He's supposed to get on your nerves so that you do resent him, so that you do boo him. And I think he's doing a great job because I think the uh, WWE Universe, quote-unquote, uh, they can't stand him. And, you know, so I think he's doing his job in that regard. As you mentioned, the son of IRS, his brother, is actually uh, Bray Wyatt, but they're doing their best not to acknowledge that on television, at least for now, whether or not they reveal that down the line, who knows. But uh, I'm very curious to see where this goes with uh, Bo Dallas. You know, it's a new character in the WWE. Some people are kind of turned off by it because he really goes far out. I mean, he, like I said, he'll wrestle a match, and when the match is over, he does a victory lap. He runs around the ring, slapping hands with the fans. He'll go back in the ring, and he'll even shake the hand of his opponent that he just beat. It's, it's just so annoying that a lot of people are, are getting turned off by him, but at the same time, that's his character. His character is supposed to be annoying. So, like I said, I think he's doing what he's supposed to do. So, you know, kudos. <laughs> Okay, uh, I have a clip of some news with CM Punk tweeting at Payback, a Hall of Famer, slammed the WWE, and much, much more. Let's take a listen. Let's debate it on the other On today's WTTV News, CM Punk tweets during Payback, 
Slowly thanks to the WWE, while a Hall of Famer slams it, Jarrett confirms ownership stake in TNA and an update on Scott Hall. CM Punk has got the internet wrestling community talking again this weekend after he attended Game 7 between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Los Angeles Kings last night. Punk was active on social media during the game, which just happened to fall on the same night as WWE's payback pay-per-view. Punk simply tweeted, I love you Chicago, during the WWE's biggest show of the month. However, with Punk currently having almost 2.2 million Twitter followers, this meant that hordes of wrestling fans and media alike were discussing Punk at a hockey game over the results of the WWE pay-per-view itself. It is now believed that several insiders saw this as a direct dig at the company. The fact that Punk was reportedly there with AJ Lee and the show itself was called Payback have only added to speculation for wrestling fans and journalists in the last 24 hours. Can't a man just enjoy a simple ice hockey game with a super smoking hot diva fiance and send out a little tweet without it having to be the story of the century? Apparently not when you're seeing Punk. Mick Foley appeared to be trying to lay the recent tension between the WWE and himself to rest this weekend. The hardcore legend who has been openly critical of both the company's treatment of Daniel Bryan and what he perceived as a low offer on his WWE Legends contract spoke out on Facebook. In the end, my relationship with WWE, like any serious relationship, is going to be remembered for far more than a minor dispute about a Legends contract and the refusal to mention my name for a few weeks on WWE Monday Night Raw. In the end, the new WWE Network gives fans a chance to watch my body of work and make up their own mind, and I will always be thankful to the people in charge who went above and beyond the call of duty to produce a great DVD and hashtag for all mankind. Despite still not signing his Legends contract, finally ended with this. Besides, all these minor problems will be a thing of the past if WWE will just take me off on my offer and grant me a spot on the Exotic Express. Expect to see Mick Foley dressed as a giant hamburger in the coming weeks. Hold the letters. Talking on Facebook, WWE Hall of Famer Billy Graham also used it this weekend to discuss the WWE himself, but in a far less positive way. Posting on Saturday, Graham declared that he is done watching WWE programming after viewing the May 30th episode of SmackDown. After expressing there are still plenty of hard-working men and women in the company and quoting Bob Dylan in saying it is not his intention to lead a battle charge, Graham posted this. Last night when I saw Bo Dallas running around the ring acting like an idiot and hugging his opponent Xavier Woods when the match was over, I wanted to vomit. Then here comes the effeminate Pete Rose sucking on a lollipop, followed by maybe 15 of his circus troop of freaks and geeks. He gives me the creep. Then came the dwarf El Torito dressed in a children's ball costume who proceeds to pin a normal sized wrestler. By then I did indeed vomit. We just hope that Billy was wearing his most multicolored tie-dye pants when he did so. Jeff Jarrett was recently a guest on the LAW podcast. Jarrett was quizzed on many topics including his future plans for Global Force Wrestling, confirming that he was still yet to sign any talent. The former WWE IC and TNA World Champion remained very non-committal with regards to his plans for GFW, but continued to push the interactive concept that he has teased since the company was first announced. However, when asked if the rumours of him still having an ownership stake in TNA were true, Jarrett said, Yes, that's 100% accurate, if you're curious. It is a unique situation, but professional wrestling is unique, isn't it? It doesn't permit me whatsoever from starting GFW. And finally, Scott Hall joined Carlito Cool this week, attending an autograph signing in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Hall spoke to a TV reporter for a feature that aired on a local news report. In the feature, Hall squashed rumours of a recent relapse, which was speculated when the bad guy was forced to cancel a recent public appearance. He claimed that his doctor had instructed him to miss the appearance due to a heart scare and said that he has now been given a clean bill of health, hence making the scheduled appearance in Allentown. 
We at WTTV News are very happy indeed to hear this news and hope that Hall is well and truly in the clear going forward. Happy birthday today to AJ Styles and Lex Luger. Today's question of the day is, do you think CM Punk tweeting during WWE Payback was intentional? Leave your answers below the video with the best appearing at the bottom of tomorrow's news. Also, don't forget that to watch over 500 videos including uncut interviews with Bret Hart, Sting, Hulk Hogan, Edge, Chris Jericho and many more, plus stacks of podcasts and thousands of articles and blogs, all completely free of charge. Head over to WrestleTalk.tv now. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, JJ, a lot of stuff to get into right there. Let's start off with the tweets. What's your take? Well, you know, I have been following Punk on Twitter, and uh, I mentioned this uh, many times even on King Jordan Radio before. Punk's last message publicly to anyone was on his Twitter account, and it was January 27th. That was the day after the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. And his last tweet was, thanks for all the support. Keep being you guys. It's pretty cool. We would not hear from CM Punk publicly until May. And, of course, right around this time was when the Chicago Blackhawks in the NHL were uh, in the season the playoffs. And Punk, being a, you know, he's from Chicago, born and bred and made. You know, he's a huge hockey fan. So he came back to Twitter, and he's been tweeting uh, the L.A. Kings mascot, the Lion, and, you know, he's been going back and forth. And, of course, recently, Sunday, payback in Chicago, in Punk's hometown, you know, the Hawks had a game over at the United Center. Punk was at the United Center. He wasn't at the All-State Arena for payback. But he was tweeting throughout the night, you know, during the payback pay-per-view. I'm sure word got out that the All-State Arena in Chicago was cheering and chanting for CM Punk. And Punk did tweet, Chicago, I love you. And to a lot of fans from Chicago, I mean, you got to love that. that you, you feel appreciated. Now, whether or not that had anything to do with wrestling, whether or not that had to do with the, uh, the Blackhawks, you know, who's to say? You can interpret that your own way. But for the most part, Punk hasn't been talking publicly about wrestling. He's been very quiet. In fact, uh, that week, uh, this past week, it was just released, Punk did make a, uh, another statement, a public statement, with the Chicago Red Eye newspaper. And Punk basically said that he's retired. He's sort of quietly retired, and he didn't go into details. He then changed the subject and talked about what he was doing <coughs> lately. Like, you know, he was uh, he sung Take Me Out to the Ball Game at Wrigley Field. He's been involved with a lot of charities with, uh, with the Chicago Cubs and, you know, painting chairs and uh, getting to hang out with, uh, you know, Vince Vaughn and Gary Sinise, other Chicagoans, and just doing charity work. And A.J. Lee's been by his side. And, uh, of course, he's been going to the Blackhawk game. So beyond that, that's really all we know about CM Punk. Again, he's not talking about wrestling. It's, uh, you know, the last thing on his mind. Oh, absolutely. And, uh if you uh, ask me, he'll be back. Well, you think that everybody will be back, but listen, why wasn't he at WrestleMania? I don't know. Why I wasn't mean, he at WrestleMania? Stay to the side right now. He's gonna have to. He's gonna wait it out. He'll be back. It probably might even be by the end of the year. It might be next year, but he will be back. You need that that superstar. Uh, of, a, of a great magnitude. 
We ain't had uh, superstars of uh, that uh, genre as of late. We ain't had people like like The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin, a warrior or, or uh, Hogan and, and stuff like that. That Daniel Bryan, I mean, he's okay, but he's still he's not that as uh, over as you may think, in my opinion. He's not that super 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 heavyweight uh, like like champion. Even Cena has come in like uh, mid grade. Where he once was, he was over. I'm talking then, about once was. I'm talking about the way it is now. You know, we had uh, we I had just Daniel Bryan. Things a little way way differently, I guess. You know, uh, JJ, you, you may uh, disagree with me. King, you guys may disagree with me, but uh, the, the way that the, I mean. These these people of today can't kick it like the, like the old school uh, classic wrestlers, even with uh, The Rock, as I said, or Stone Cold. Uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, the yes chance, uh, that is as well as any chance besides Hulk Hogan. Right I've now, he heard. can't back up what he he can do in the ring due to his injuries. That's gonna. It's not in my eyes as a champion right now. Right now, I think he needs to be sidelined and take off for a few months the way uh, CM Punk is, is doing. Uh, well, that remains to be seen. Um, tomorrow, as JJ, I what would you wrap on that? What's that? Where's JJ? Yo. What do you think about the, what I just said? Well, here's the thing. When you compare Punk to The Rock, you, you can't compare Punk to The Rock. You can't compare Punk to the guys of before because no, we're not. No, not comparisons in, in, in wrestling in, in the ring, just uh, comparing them to, to the reactions. Well, as far as star power goes, if you look at the WWE roster today, right now, what, today, Tuesday, you know, June 3rd, 2014, look at the roster today. You tell me on that roster who has star power without naming John Cena, without naming The Undertaker, without naming Daniel Bryan. Who do you have left who's your top guy? Now, don't even count Triple H, who's, you know, the quote-unquote, the, the coup of the WWE. What evolution he's wrestling, he's not wrestling. Who's your top guy? Right now they need a guy like Punk because he is one of their top stars. That's why I'm saying he's not going anywhere. Well, right now he's not there. So right now there's a, there's a void in the WWE. And if he doesn't want to come back, that void is going to be there. Whether or not he does come back, like you said, I think everybody at some point comes back home. Right now his issues are too fresh, and he just wants nothing to do with wrestling. So... Like you said, whether it's a year from now, you know, whatever the circumstances may change, the only people who know why Punk isn't there is Punk, Vince, and Triple A. So they're the only three guys who know exactly what's going on. And AJ. And AJ, of course. Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. And Blackjack, what did you think of the pay-per-view payback? Uh, The watch was okay. Um, if you saw, uh, got a chance to get my Chicago Sun Times uh, uh, column, 
mm-hmm. I projected that uh, about the Shield. Did you get that, uh, JJ? Yeah, I picked up your column. It came out uh, June 1st. I have it right in front of me. The title was No Good Pick to Carry the Belt After Brian. And, you know, Blackjack has said here on Even King Jordan Radio that he predicted someone from S.H.I.E.L.D. would join Evolution. And by God, was he right after watching Monday Night Raw. The wrestling world was shocked. Wow. Wow. Keep that in mind. So uh, a person that uh, projected it about the shield, this is why I'm saying about CM Punk. Uh, yeah. Eventually, uh, he'll get all his oars in the water, and he'll try to be the, the, the next uh, pickout star, but he needs time to really recuperate. And just like uh, uh, Brian, he needs to recuperate. He needs months of, of recuperation, but um, he's rushing himself back. He's already off... Uh, uh, not defending, defending the title for over a month. So what do you yeah. do in the old days, in the classic times? You strip that man of that title. And that's yeah. what they're going to have to do. But they're so uh, enveloped with the storylines. You know, even when Punk was the champion and Punk was hurt in 2012. Then he lost all... himself. And now he's, 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 he's taking the title out now that he should have back then. Yeah, but the the point is they wanted Punk to drop to The Rock, and maybe they wanted Brian to drop it to Lesnar at SummerSlam. So Brian might stick around as the champion. Even if he doesn't defend the title, if they have plans written in stone, they're not going to break those plans. Don't they have that 30-day rule? If, you, if you're not defending the title in 30 days, you've you got to get stripped at that title. They don't do that no more? I don't think so, because they would have already done it. Stephanie yeah. even said... Uh, yes, on the pay-per-view, that it's been, you know, 30 days. And that's why, instead of just stripping him, they want him to relinquish the title because they feel if they strip him of the title, it just carries on his cause and the yes chance will continue and continue. They feel that if Brian gives up the title willingly... Didn't he do that before? Do what before? Uh, Give up the title. Well, he lost the title, but that was because they cashed in money in the bank. That's right, yeah. That was last year at SummerSlam. But the problem is we haven't had money in the bank yet. Money in the bank is later this month, and now they're saying whether or not they have a title defense and Brian comes back early and wrestles hurt, or if he's not medically clear, which I doubt that will happen, but they might have a money in the bank ladder match for the title, which I kind of hope they don't do that. Because the whole point of Money in the Bank is the briefcase, the excitement of when the superstar will or won't cash in the briefcase. If they just have a ladder match for the title, it's not exactly Money in the Bank. Not a, right. Totally, uh, totally agree uh, with uh, both of you. Of course, tomorrow's uh, show, uh, OJ20. Let's take a listen to a little preview of tomorrow's show. This is where the confrontation with Simpson and Goldman started and ended. Do you think he was innocent in fact? He had nothing exculpatory. Everything pointed in one direction at this guy. Nicole Brown Simpson absolutely was a battered woman. OJ, please surrender immediately. OJ! Should the American people be furious at the defense for driving a railroad train through the racial divide in this country, for raising the specter of racist cops? 
when it was obvious that O.J. Simpson had murdered his wife. Here we are, 20 years later. The, the, the day I die, that will be the lead two sentences of my obituary. The fact that he fell from the top of the world to the most hated person in the world, that's your story right here. O.J. 20, tomorrow at 9, right here on Paint Jordan Radio. Okay, I, po- I found something amusing uh, earlier. Iron Sheik uh, was on Howard Stern plenty of times, but I found a real good one, and uh, let's play it. And let's- but I played, I played a clip of you this morning where you said some things about Hulk Hogan that were unbelievable to me. You, you really do not like the guy because, and let me see if I got this right. Hulk Hogan would come up to you at appearances and tell you you're the guy, you're the man, you, he loves you. You know, he, he, he showed a great deal of affection. And then he'd even say, give me a call, we'll get something going. Then you would call him and he wouldn't return your call. Is that the source of the argument? You're absolutely right, Mr. Howard, because the man, every all intelligent wrestling fans around the world, a special match of the arena, Madison Square Garden, New York and New York City, they know who was the chap when before that Hollywood blonde jabroni, Hulk Hogan, Aaron Sheik. Right. So after I lost my belt to him, I'm getting so excited, I won't even stand up. And after I lost my belt to him, Mr. Howard, he come in the locker room. He said, Shiki baby, I love you. I owe you one. And after that, he never returned my call back. And another lie to me. He told me another lie. Two months ago, I met him in New Jersey. And he come, said, Shiki baby, I love you again. And he tell his jabroni puppet, which is he was my first manager, Jimmy Hart. And he tell Jimmy Hart, get the cheeky number. We're going to use him for his show, reality show, whatever. Right. But I hope you have a little bit of problem. He, I, he didn't call me again. That's the two times, Mr. Howard, he lied to me. All right, so he lied to you. But it, here's the thing. I know you consider yourself a man's man, which you are. You're a manly guy. And you even call people faggots and stuff. But then you said in this clip... You wanted to fuck his wife, Linda? Oh, no, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Please, you, sorry you said. about that. You said you, said you were going to fuck his wife, Linda. You are going to fuck his daughter. You are going to fuck him and his son. But that's gay. Mr. Howard, it must be you misunderstand. Uh, I mean, I really, I really don't hate him that much. Right. So I'd say I'm going to fuck the Linda or his son or his daughter. But must be somebody misunderstand. Uh, I'm a family man. He's a family man. That's a cheap heat. So I talk about his wife or her daughter. You're I, saying you didn't do it? No, no, ma'am. No, I have a tape of it. I played it today. Is that right? Yeah. But must be somebody, <laughs> must be with somebody else. But, but, uh, uh, I mean. Was it yeah, yeah I mean, Sheik, his son is underage. I don't think you can be having sex with him. Well, absolutely not. Right. Sam is her daughter. Right. Sam is his wife, Linda. Right. And I have a good friendship with his wife and his daughter. But, but Robin, I never say anything bad about his wife or her daughter. Must be somebody misunderstand. But, but, but I don't like Hulk Hogan himself. Right. But uh, I'm a Shia Muslim. You know, all country, uh, we don't 
people talk about people, wife and daughter. But you did it. Must, must be, must be something was wrong, Mister. You, you got all worked up, maybe. Must be was uh, maybe I was not in my would my you, mind, would, would or you, maybe. Would you, did you lose your mind and say you want to have to, sex with men? Do we have, no, 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 no. Why do you say you want to fuck Hulk Hogan himself? Well, maybe I can do that himself, but not his wife, right. not his daughter. I mean, I'm going to fuck him up differently. That him, beat the fuck out of him, and, and him suplex him, put him in the camel clutch, break his back, and fuck his ass, and make him humble. That's what I said. It. Right. But besides that, uh, I don't want to talk you, about his family. That's a cheap hit. You're a little boy I heard. Sheik. You're going to be in my list of the lake. Sheik, <laughs> but you say you want to fuck Hogan in the ass. That's gay. I know, but I just said a different way. Instead of I fuck his ass with my dick, I said I'm going to fuck his ass with a beer bottle. Oh, yes, sir. oh I see, with a beer bottle. Yes, sir. All right, all right, because oh, I was worried. Oh, not gay. Well, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. It is a beer, beer. beer bottle. <laughs> Have you ever gotten so angry in your life that you actually fucked a man in the ass? With a beer bottle. Well, I'll be honest with you, Islamic religious, I cannot do that. I'm not Michael Jackson, right. or I'm not that English. Man, want to call him very very good singer Elton John. Elton John. Yeah, I'm not Elton John. I'm not Michael Jackson. I said I'm gonna fuck his fucking ass. Right. With the beer bottle. Right. Yes. Wow, Blackjack. What do you think of your buddy Iron Sheik? Uh, always entertaining in that aspect, but deep down, I've been with Hogan. I've I've been with the Sheik. At the same place, same time, same eating area, they get along tremendously. Yes, yes. You know, since the uh, YouTube, Jay, Jay uh, he really uh, revitalized his career. They uh, did Mr. all Sheik. that stuff that, 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 to make a buck, to make things more interesting, especially for the Howard Stern people, you know? Um, it's it's totally amazing, but uh, the, the the true feelings that uh, Hogan and and uh, and the Sheik have for one another is truly unbelievable. But uh, when you hear stuff like that, you, you think it's a, it's a different world. But uh, they got great uh, amount of respect for one another. Totally unbelievable. And JJ, like I was telling you. Uh, People might not have heard about the Iron Sheik if it wasn't for YouTube, uh, which yeah. is almost our 10th anniversary of YouTube coming up soon. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think the Iron Sheik, I think he's a really smart guy, and he's taking to social media, he's taking to Howard Stern, and he's getting himself out there. People are listening to him who have maybe never saw him wrestle in the 80s, and they're saying, who is this guy? He's a lunatic, but yet they want to know more about him. So you go online and you look him up. Maybe you see some of his old matches, or maybe you follow him on Twitter. And uh, there's even a, a television show on Comedy Central called At Midnight, and they have these games. And one of the games they have is Iron Sheik, Real, or Jabroni, in which they read off one of Iron Sheik's tweets, and he'll talk about a celebrity like maybe Justin Bieber, and he'll read a you know the reason name off and he'll say does Iron Sheik think Justin Bieber is real or a jabroni? And then they'll show you his tweet. So they make a game of it. 
So, I mean, he's really found a way to, to kind of stay current with, you know, today's generation. So whether or not you believe that he wants to do things to Hulk Hogan with a beer bottle or not, it's not, uh, it's not, you know, what we're getting at. What we're getting at is he's a very entertaining guy. He knows how to get to capture an audience and to be memorable and to have people talking about him. So, you know, I give a, a lot of credit to Sheik. Sheik, always be entertaining, uh, a little off his mind, to tell you the truth, uh, especially when he takes his medicine. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, that's the Iron Sheik for you. Um it is June, but last month uh, I we didn't touch on Owen Hart. Uh, I have a great clip of uh, the uh, one and only Owen Hart, who would have turned like uh, 45, 46 if he was still alive. Unbelievable. Still, if I may still... interject one thing about the Iron Sheik. Uh, King, uh, the Iron Sheik, and you want to see him in in, in interviews with that Beetlejuice. That is hilarious <laughs> and really uh, funny. Oh, absolutely. Yes, Beetlejuice is another character. And there, there's <laughs> more realism with that as far as what the Sheik thought about uh, how uh, this Beetlejuice uh, is supposed to be. But uh, that's, it's really off the wall. Really funny. Uh, no question about it. Okay, Owen Hart, let's take a listen. Fifteen years ago this week, on May 23rd, 1999, was the day that Owen Hart passed away, age 34, at the Over the Edge pay-per-view from Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, Jim Ross just did an interview with Sam Roberts. It's really, really good, long video interview in studio if you uh, YouTube it you'll find it and Jim Ross shared the same story with Sam Roberts that he did at the one man show that I went to when JR was in New York back in uh, the beginning of March and I had never heard him tell this story before but he told it again here and it still it kind of it just gives me shivers when I hear it uh, when when the accident happened Owen fell he basically died. He basically died in the ring. I, I don't think he was alive much longer after the initial fall. And everyone's in a panic. Nobody knows what's happening and what's going on. It's kind of a crazy scene, but the show goes on. And Jim Ross has to make the announcement after one of the matches that Owen Hart has died. And he told the story here that they were in his ear. Kevin Dunn was in the truck. He's in JR's ear saying, JR, we're going to come back to you for an on-camera and we need you to give an update on Owen's condition. And Jim Ross says, well, you know, Kevin Dunn must have thought I knew, but nobody told me. He, you know, he kind of uh, hit the switch to talk back to Kevin Dunn and said, Kevin, I don't know what the update is on Owen. And Kevin Dunn just tells him, you know, JR, Owen's dead. And you're on in 10, 9, 8. And he just counted him down. Now imagine if you're Jim Ross sitting there and you're right in the middle of all this. You didn't, you didn't actually see Owen fall, but he did say that kind of he was looking down, but in his peripheral vision he could see Owen, once he was down low enough, fall and, and hit the ring post. So I guess maybe he kind of did see Owen fall. But here's this guy who's the head of talent relations as well, so he deals with all these guys. He's got a, a relationship with Owen Hart like he does everybody else on the roster. He's just told that the guy is dead, and you've got to go tell an audience of millions what just happened. 
and he's counting you down in your ear. Like, I can't even imagine what that must feel like. Uh, but he did it, and it's one of the most surreal moments that I've ever seen on a wrestling show ever. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for everybody. I remember where I was when, when that show happened. I was at a friend's house watching the pay-per-view, and when it happened, they wouldn't show it on camera. They didn't want to sensationalize it. Owen fell when they were dark uh, in the arena showing a video package on TV. So thank God they didn't you know, air it live on pay-per-view. We didn't see him plummet to his death. When they came back, though, they had crowd shots. They would not show what was going on in the ring. Jim Ross was describing to us what was going on, but they wouldn't show us. And I remember sitting there talking to my friend, because, you know, we didn't really know how serious the situation was, and I'm just... I don't want to say that we were joking about it. We were kind of joking about what the ramifications would be. Like, oh, my God, can you imagine, like, if he actually died? Like, we didn't actually think he would. We thought maybe he broke his arm or he broke, you know, something bad happened to the guy, obviously. But, like, oh, boy, this is going to be bad news for WWE, a lawsuit, whatever. And when they came back later on and they actually made the announcement that he died, I just remember sitting there with my friend and we were just stunned. Like, we didn't actually think that that would happen. We, we were stunned. And we watched the rest of the show because the pay-per-view had, I think, two matches left. After they made the announcement... There were two matches left, the main event matches, Triple H against The Rock and Stone Cold against The Undertaker. So, I mean, that's the Attitude Era in a nutshell right there. Those are the two matches that were left in the show. And I don't even remember, like, I know who won the matches, but I don't really remember much. You're just kind of in a fog. Like, you can't believe what you just heard. And I remember I got the tape. He taped it on VHS, gave me the tape. I was going to take the tape home to show it to my brother. And I just remember walking in the house, and I, I, was actually, I was actually crying. Like, I started crying because it's, it's like, you know, I just met Owen the year before in my first Raw show ever. You know, they brought him into our luxury box. I had won tickets from a radio station, so we had some personal one-on-one time with these guys. That was the first time I ever met Owen, and he was there with Mick Foley and Mark Henry. Uh, I think Luna was there. Nice guy. Like, really, really nice guy. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I've shared this story before, but one of the things I'll never forget is when they're leaving the luxury box. Because what they did back then, I don't think they do it anymore. But they would take the guys from box to box to box to have some personal time and sign autographs. This was in the hour before the show started. So there were dark matches going on, or maybe they were taping for shotgun or something. So everybody files out of the luxury box, and Owen was the one guy who, he was the last one out, and right before he left the luxury box, everyone is buzzing. Like, they're not even paying attention to these guys anymore. We're just like... Wow, that was awesome. That was so cool. And Owen turns around. Nobody's paying attention. And he just goes, everybody got a picture? Everybody got an autograph? Anybody want? Like, and I'm watching him, and I'm all nervous, you know, because I, I want to say, yeah, I'd, I wouldn't mind getting a photo with the guy. Uh, but I was so nervous. My friend's egging me on. I'm like, oh, I raised my hand. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to get a photo. And he was like, cool, no problem. He comes over. And, you know, in my little collection here, I'll always have that photo of me, Owen Hart, and my friend. And that was actually the photo I used. I did a write-up in a local newspaper that I was doing a wrestling column for at the time. And I did a whole column on, on Owen Hart right after he died. And I used that picture in the paper. And that's one of the coolest things. That's, like, one of the coolest mementos I have. Uh, I, you know, I didn't know the guy personally. But, I mean, that's a traumatic thing to be through. I can't even imagine what his family must have gone through. I can't imagine what the wrestlers in the back must have been going through. Those guys knew Owen a hell of a lot better than any fan did. You know, they traveled with him. They knew the family in some cases. Some of them were, were friends with him. Jeff Jarrett was, like, tight. You know, him and Owen were best friends. They were tag team partners at the time. 
And you could tell from Jarrett's reaction on that tribute show the next night how torn up inside he was, and, and Deborah, and and everybody. So it's one of those awful memories that I, I can remember where I was, how I reacted, and when I got home, it was all over the news. All the local news stations in New York led with it. Wrestler falls to his death on pay-per-view in a stunt gone wrong, and... You know, all the stuff that came from that, obviously, the family filed the lawsuit against WWE, which was settled out of court for $18 million. And then I think WWE sued the maker of the harness that snapped, which caused Owen to, to fall. Uh, and it's timely that this anniversary comes up now because this past week, WWE sent out a survey to some fans asking them about their level of interest in some possible new DVD releases. And one of those ideas is for a series called WWE Reveals, which reads like a, an investigative you know, documentary type deal. And one of the subjects listed was Owen Hart's demise. And they had some others in there like the XFL, the Curtain Call, John Stossel getting slapped by Dr. Death, David Schultz. But, and I, I didn't take the survey myself, so I'm going off what other people have said, but to list it as Owen Hart's demise, if that's how it was worded, makes me very queasy. I, I think we're long overdue for a proper Owen Hart release, you know, covering his career, talking about what happened that night at the pay-per-view. But with that title, it sounds to me like they want to know if people are willing to spend money on a DVD that focuses on the man's death. And that's just wrong, especially if they're making money off it. It's not like they're going to be objective about the subject, you know. You really think they're going to have guys on there talking about how nervous Owen was, and how he didn't want to do it and was basically talked into doing it or, or was worried he might lose his job if he said no. You know, these things have been said before by Owen's wife, by Brett, I think even by some other people. Uh, so this is not just conjecture here. That's how Owen felt. He wasn't comfortable doing it, but he did it because he was worried that if he said no to the boss, you might lose your job. It's not like Owen was a headline guy at the time. He was in the mid-card and... You know, maybe he, he was legitimately that concerned. I can't imagine that had he said no to the stunt for fear of his safety, they would have fired him. But, you know, you don't know what people are thinking in that position. You know, there's a lot of pressure on you in a position like that. You think they're actually going to talk about that if they do a DVD release like this? Which, which almost paints them out as the reason why Owen died? You think they're actually going to be that honest about it? Of course not. Or maybe they'll just lay all the blame on Vince Russo for it being his idea, and they'll let him take all the heat. I don't need to rehash all of that stuff. And they're not going to be honest about it, so I think this, is, this one is probably better off left alone. Something on the guy's career that includes the stuff on his death is fine, but we don't need a DVD that focuses on only that and, and exploits it for profit. You're stirring up a hornet's nest for no good reason. Nothing good can come from that. Wow. JJ, let's start with you. What's your take? I really, really hope that is not the case. If they're thinking about some sort of, you know, the demise of Owen Hart, that that would really upset me, and uh, I can't even imagine how hurtful that would be towards, uh, you know, the Hart family, towards his widow, his wife, who fought the WWE tooth and nail for them to exploit his death like that to make money off it that's that's sickening you know, who would they, do that who are they talking about doing that if they plan on doing the dvd they need to do a dvd that celebrates his life 
Who's putting? Okay. Who would put that? Something like that. They uh, they WWE? The WWE were doing a survey asking fans of, you know, they do these surveys asking all these different questions, and they had a project of WWE called WWE Reveals in which they go into, you know, details of all these reveals, whether it was the demise of the XFL or the passing of Owen Hart. That's according what according to what they said on that, that show that's what they were thinking of doing. And I hope that's not the case. Like I said, if you're going to do something with Owen Hart, do it the right way and do it celebrating his life. Whether or not they're going to touch on his death, they probably will, but they need to focus on celebrating his life, celebrating the matches he had and his career, not just his death. Absolutely, and uh, I can't believe it's been so long. Uh, that we did uh, lose Owen Hart, and uh, think of the matches that we could have saw in this era if he was still around. I mean, right yeah. off the top of my head, Daniel Bryant versus uh, Owen would have been a sick match. Eddie yeah. Guerrero, when he was alive, would have been a sick match. Edge, Lance Storm, those fellow Canadians, you know, uh, Chris Benoit. Yeah. Jericho. Jericho. Wow. Yeah. I don't even know if he wrestled him. Did he? Let's see. 99, he was in W. Well, they were both in the company at one point. And Jericho came well, in in 98. Jericho came towards the end of 99, and Owen died in May of 99. So they were never in the, the company at the same time. Oh, okay. Jericho did not come in 98. He came in 99, right? August, I think. It was not a raw. Okay, uh, JJ, let's talk about Monday Night Raw. What went down yesterday? Well, you know, after the the payback pay-per-view, you know, we saw Sheamus retain the United States Championship. He defeated Cesaro. We saw Bad News Barrett defeated Rob Van Dam and retain the Intercontinental title. Paige retained her Divas title and course, Shield and Evolution battled again, their second pay-per-view match, and Evolution actually lost. I was, uh, I predicted Shield would win, but in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, how do you keep this going if you don't give Evolution a chance to beat the Shield? But the Shield just did a sweep, and it was an elimination match, and none of the Shield members were eliminated. They just cleaned the board with Evolution winning uh, just hands down. It was an unbelievable match. And then you go to Monday Night Raw, and they kick off Monday Night Raw with Evolution again, and it's Triple H, and it's Batista, and it's Randy Orton, and Batista's getting fed up. He's saying he's sick of doing Triple H's, you know, errands and, you know, fighting the Shield. He wants what Triple H promised him. He wants his title match with the champion. He won the Royal Rumble. He deserves his one-on-one match. You know, at WrestleMania, they had a triple threat match. And usually and when you win the Rumble, you have a one-on-one match at WrestleMania. Batista didn't get that. But Triple H promised him you'll get your title match. Just we got to take care of the Shield. But they didn't take care of the Shield. The Shield took care of them. So Batista got pissed off, and he quit. He just walked out on Triple H and Randy Orton. He walked out on Evolution, and he left. 
I mean, the fact is, Batista is working on promoting the Guardians of the Galaxy with Marvel. I think he has other projects, so this was their way to kind of get rid of Batista for now. I'm pretty sure he'll come back maybe around SummerSlam or afterwards. But for now, Batista's gone. He's out of evolution. And uh, as we said before, Blackjack predicted that a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. would join Evolution. So as you continue the Monday Night Raw, there was a tag match. Uh, the United States champion, the Intercontinental champion, uh, had a match against each other. It was a tag match. Sheamus and Rob Van Dam versus Cesaro and Bad News Barrett. You know, this was a nice, good match. Uh, the fans in Indiana were very into it. But uh, Rob Van Dam picked up the victory and Sheamus. So I was even skeptical whether or not Sheamus might join Evolution. You know, he's a young guy. He hasn't really, you know, he's in a funk right now. The fans aren't really into him. Maybe a repackage in Evolution would be great for him. But it wouldn't be Sheamus joining Evolution. He's Later, more of a loner. That's what yeah. he wants to be. Yeah. But I don't know what else they could do with Sheamus right now as the United States champion, but hopefully he'll find his way. Maybe he might be turned heel. Maybe that could do some, uh, bring new life into his character. But, and uh, we again, already see him at that point before when he first came in. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, it's, you know, Sheamus has been turned back and forth, so I'm not really sure what else they can do with him. But the, hopefully things will pick up, you know, and the fans will get behind him. But, uh, again, we saw Damian Sandow, who for the past few weeks, he's been embracing these characters on Monday Night Raw. A few weeks ago, he was dressed up as the Marvel villain Magneto. He dressed up as a rapper when he was going up against R-Truth. And then yesterday on Raw, he dressed up as an NBA clipper, and he was, was trying to dunk. He had a, a, you know, a, a basketball in his hand. He had a hoop in the middle of the ring. And the big show came in and interrupted and just kind of threw the ball at Sandow and he kind of took him out. So Sandow, I don't, I don't know what's going on with Sandow, but uh, I don't know. He's been doing these kind of odd characters and I don't know what's going on with him. But uh, again, we saw Bo Dallas. He was scheduled to have a match at Payback against Kofi Kingston. It got interrupted by Kane. So we had the, the sort of rematch, I guess, on Raw. And Bo Dallas defeated Kofi Kingston. He did his victory lap around the ring, which uh, as we, you played that one clip earlier where uh, superstar Billy Graham wasn't too happy about this uh, Bo Dallas character running around the ring and, you know, being all silly and goofy. I mean, it's a very annoying, but that's his character. And this is a new day. It's a new era in wrestling. It's PG. And this is, you know, the kind of wrestling we're seeing. Whether you consider that unfortunately or fortunately, that's a matter of opinion. Later, we would see Stephanie McMahon come out, and of course, she talked about Daniel Bryan's situation. John Cena came out to defend Daniel Bryan, and yet, it's amazing to me how the fans, they hate John Cena, and yet the genius of John Cena, why this guy is at the top of the WWE is, despite when he came out in Indiana, the fans hated his guts, he found a way to manipulate them into cheering him. I don't know how he did it. I watched the show, and if you see John Cena come down the ramp, they were booing him, Cena sucks, and, you know, all this stuff. And yet, once he got talking, and once he started sort of defending Daniel Bryan, he started taking a few stabs at Stephanie. That's what you said, the key word. 
defending Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. So at the at the point is, you know, they mentioned Daniel Bryan needed surgery, and you know, uh, Triple H at one point needed surgery, and even Stephanie at one point had, you know, quote unquote surgery, you know, to enhance something, which you know. <laughs> So uh, there was this thing, and the fans responded. They were getting into it. They got into John Cena, which is something you don't hear very often. So John Cena being very smart, he got the fans on his side. And uh, there's even a point at payback, I should mention, where Stephanie was in the ring talking to Daniel Bryan, who didn't uh, relinquish the title. Instead, his wife, Brie Bella, quit. She quit so that Daniel Bryan could keep his title. But at one point... Stephanie was talking to Brian, and the fans, of course, in Chicago were chanting for CM Punk. And then Stephanie, being very quick, she said, you hear that? The fans want you to quit just like CM Punk, which was very smart, which completely turned the Chicago crowd. So, uh, like I said, Stephanie, she's, you know, she's very quick, very smart. The WWE, they know how to control the situation. You know, like in Chicago, John Cena in Indiana, they're very smart. They always have the upper hand. They don't let the crowd dictate the, you know, the action. So later we would see John Cena take on Kane, and the match ended in a disqualification. Uh, Los Matadors and 3MB, they continued their feud. They've been going back and forth for the past few, uh, few weeks. Uh, Hornswoggle was shaved bald yesterday. He came out with an afro. Uh, Nikki Bella, because she's you know, Bree's sister was forced to be put in a situation where she was in a handicap match against Oksana and Alicia Fox. Alicia Fox, who's seemingly growing more and more fans uh, every week. Once they gave her the opportunity to grow a character, I mean, she's been with the company for the last six years or so, and the fans haven't really been interested in her. But lately, Alicia Fox has been developing her character. She's kind of crazy. She throws these tantrums. She exits the ring. She kind of, you know, destroys the announce table. She slaps some of the people ringside, Justin Roberts. She steals Jerry Lawler's crown. She takes some diet, you know, Coke, and she pours it down her chest. And suddenly the fans are interested in her. <laughs> so I'm curious to see where this goes. Uh, and I'm sure she'll be probably a favorite to go against Paige again, and they'll continue some sort of feud. Uh, Bray Wyatt, who lost, his last man standing match with John Cena at Payback. He was not at Raw. Instead, we saw his uh, the partners, Luke uh, Harper and Eric Rowan. They were by themselves, and they came out, and we saw that rocking chair that Bray normally sits in was empty. Bray Wyatt was not on Raw. He is advertised to be on SmackDown this Friday. Uh, again, we saw Adam Rose and Jack Swagger continue their fuse. Again, this was another situation where I believe superstar Billy Graham not uh, getting behind this Adam Rose character and his lollipops and his gang of, you know, misfits who follow him. And, you know, the fans singing along to his song, it, it, you know, it seems like his gimmick is more over than the actual wrestler. And we're not seeing a lot of wrestling from him right now. Whether or not that changes down the line, you know, has yet to be seen. And even Mick Foley mentioned before that he wants to take a ride on the Exotic Express, which actually Dude Love would be a perfect fit with Adam Rose. But, you know, that's another story. Again, uh, to close Raw, this was the big show now. We had S.H.I.E.L.D. come out. They went face-to-face with Evolution and Triple H, who's been really sick and tired of this whole development 
of, you know, the Shield constantly getting the upper hand in the situation. Triple H says, you know, I'm the boss here. I always win at the end of the day. And Triple H came out with Randy Orton. He had a sledgehammer. And Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose were in the middle of the ring. Seth Rollins left the ring to get a chair to even up the odds because Triple H had a sledgehammer. And as Triple H got closer and closer to the ring, we saw Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns get closer to the the ring ropes to try to cut them off. And at this point, Seth Rollins, with the steel chair, took a swing attacking his fellow S.H.I.E.L.D. members. Seth Rollins turned on the S.H.I.E.L.D. and has joined Evolution. He's betrayed his brothers, and he joined Evolution, and uh, that was a shocking moment. I don't think anyone predicted that it would be Seth Rollins, and uh, Twitter exploded with so many fans upset and demanding, you know, why Seth, why? I even heard Seth Rollins has been getting, you know, hate mail on Twitter. He's been getting death threats. I mean, fans have, you know, just flipped with uh, Seth Rollins betraying the Shield and joining Triple H and Evolution with Batista gone. It's now Seth Rollins and Randall Triple H. So this is very interesting. It actually makes me excited for once to see what they do next week and how Seth Rollins works with Evolution and how we're going to see new matches finally. We're going to see maybe Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose. So anything, anytime something new happens in wrestling, I get a little bit excited because we've been seeing the same thing over and over again. It's refreshing that now yes. there's something to look forward to. Uh, totally agree with you, and uh, uh, nobody did see that coming, and uh, uh, makes for some interesting matches indeed. Also wanted to mention, though, that TNA has added three more dates because of the heavy demand uh, in New York City. In addition to June 27th, 8th, and 9th, they will be in town August 27th. So check that August 26th, 27th, and 28th right back at the Hammerstein Ballroom. So they have already sold out three shows in June, and tickets just went on sale hmm. to their upcoming shows in August. And uh, Bully Ray was on with uh, Jericho on Jericho's podcast show. And uh, listen, I don't tell people to listen to much podcast shows besides mine, but if you're going to listen to another show, Definitely tune in to Chris Jericho with Bob, uh, well, Bully Ray, whatever his name is. It is awesome. Bully Ray gives you everything. And they talk about the old school ECW. They talk about Heyman. They call, he says he's a genius. He talks about the day he first started in uh, ECW. You know, you, you know he was... Uh, down to the last match practically, and uh, they wanted him to cut his hair. He was originally to be called Skinhead Dudley. What an amazing episode. So uh, that's on Podcast One, so you can go check that out. Uh, super, super job by Jericho. And uh, what Bob Ray said, uh, he, and I'm quoting here, he doesn't see himself coming back to the WWE. 
Why? Because he could not do the character of Bully Ray, and he loved the character that he did uh, and what he's doing in TNA. Mm -hmm. He's writing a lot of his stuff. He Mm -hmm. wouldn't have that access. He's good with money right now, so there's no need. And uh, from all accounts, Bully Ray, who's in the dressing room and talks to Dixie Carter every day, sounds like all all is well with TNA, according to Bully Ray. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that one. But uh, just thought I'd pass it along. Again, it's on my page. Take a listen. Okay. Um... Dolph Ziggler, is he, uh, does he deserve better? Well, let's take a listen to this clip. We'll talk about it on the other side. Let's debate it. Uh, the story that I want to talk about concerns the uh, rumored return of Ric Flair to WWE, and more specifically, the role that Ric Flair will likely be playing on television when and if he does come back to TV. PW Insider ran an item this week claiming that Flair is scheduled to go to Pittsburgh to undergo WWE medical testing in advance of signing a new deal that would see him return to TV full-time as a manager, or whatever the the word of the week is, since manager apparently is a dirty word. I know Paul Heyman calls himself an advocate or an agent. Uh, Zeb Coulter, I don't know what they call him on, on television. So whatever they call him, it's basically a manager. They just don't like using that word. Supposedly... Flair pitched the idea of being in Dolph Ziggler's corner and, and kind of being his, uh, his backup, his second, if you will. But that idea reportedly got shot down. And instead, it looks like he will most likely be paired off with The Miz, who is back. The Miz wrestled on the European tour, which I believe has now come to an end. He's been off the last few months filming for the Marine Four. That's where Summer Rae was. She also now is back on TV. Uh, I've also seen reports that The Shield is another possibility as far as who Ric Flair could manage, although I don't know where those rumors are coming from. Uh, PW Insider, at least, is a source that I trust, and I didn't see them report that. Uh, You know, where do I even begin with this? First off, The Shield doesn't need a manager, okay, let alone a 65-year-old man. So if this idea had a brain, let's put a bullet in the back of its head right now, okay? No managers for the Shield. They break up, they go singles at some point, I'm sure it'll happen, and and you want to make Roman Reigns, let's say, a Paul Heyman guy or something, that's fine. The idea of putting Flair with The Miz makes sense in that Flair gave him the figure four leg lock. You know, they've had some interaction together, although that was so long ago that most people have already forgotten about it, and it's meant nothing to The Miz. You know, if the idea was to put Flair with The Miz or have Flair endorse The Miz and help get him over that hump and get him back to a position of respectability, that got dropped pretty quick. So think about that. You know, they had Flair give him the figure four leg lock, and boy, that's done wonders for his career, as we've seen. What was Miz doing before he went off to film the Marine Four? He was barely on television. And when he was, he would walk down to the ring in the middle of other people's matches, and he would bitch to the announcers that guys like Santino were getting TV time and not him. And then they dropped the angle. Another angle for The Miz, seemingly dropped 
out of nowhere. Nothing ever came of it. You know why? Because if they thought he could make them money, and the Miz could really be a big star, they'd have something for him. They wouldn't just throw shit at the wall to see what sticks. He got the title in 2010 because they tried to make a new star, and they wanted somebody new to work with John Cena at WrestleMania. You know, good on them for trying. But it failed. He got a cheap win, and then he lost the title a month later, and he's been a laughing stock ever since. I can't even blame The Miz for all of that. He did his best. Okay, he, he, he's good. The Miz is good. That's it, though. He's good. He's not a top guy. Okay, he's, he's just not. Great ambassador for the company. Does PR work for them all over the world. He's been a fan since he was a little kid, just like me, right? I appreciate that. I don't hate The Miz. What I do hate is this idea that they may waste whatever value Flair has left on a guy that's never going to be above a certain level. Dolph Ziggler, on the other hand, has way more potential. We know he's a great athlete. He's got charisma. And maybe, you know what, maybe he is his own worst enemy. Maybe he does open his mouth and say things that get him into trouble. But what has he ever said in any interview that's really so awful? He talks himself up a lot. Okay. Nobody likes to show off. That's the dude's gimmick. <laughs> he calls himself the show-off. He got the world title last year. Then he got kicked in the head, okay, through no fault of his own. Shit happens. He got kicked in the head. He got concussed. And like a lot of other guys, Fandango comes to mind, who it seems like they have plans for. When they get hurt and they're out for a while, they lose interest in them. Or they hold it against them in some weird way, like it's their fault. He's been booked like shit ever since he came back. He's never gotten back to that same level. And now, with there only being one championship, it's going to be a lot harder for him to get back there. But you know what? Despite how he's been booked, for some reason, people are still into Dolph Ziggler. People still cheer for the guy. They don't sit on their hands for the guy when he comes out. They chant, let's go, Ziggler. So why fight it? Why not try to rebuild the guy? The one knock on Ziggler, and, and this is my opinion, but I'm not the only one who said this, are his promos. It, it's a weird deal because, you know, he, he's a good talker, but if we're being honest here, I don't think he's a good promo guy. You know, he can be. He's, he's got the, the tools to be. But a lot of times he'll, he'll talk like a mile a minute, and it's like, dude, just slow down. You know, but that's where a guy like a Ric Flair could be so effective. That's what I mean. Whatever weaknesses Ziggler may have, a guy like Flair could plug those holes in. In the ring, he's got it covered, okay? The dude's a beast in the ring. He just had a really fun brawl with Batista on SmackDown. He was out there busting his ass for a good 10, 12 minutes, whatever it was. And I don't have a chance to watch SmackDown every single week, but I knew Hogan was going to be on. I was curious what he would say, and Bo Dallas was making his debut. So I said, I'll watch SmackDown this week. And the first match I saw, I think it was the first match, was, was Ziggler and Batista. And it was a really, really good match. And Batista held his own, but Ziggler was in there just doing his thing, you know, working hard, busting his ass. He didn't win, but he looked good. He got a lot of offense and a hell of a lot more offense than I would have expected. He still goes out there and busts it, you know. He doesn't need any help in the ring. He's got that covered, but with promos... Him and Flair as a combo could be very entertaining, and it could be just the thing that he needs to become relevant again. 
because you know whoever they put Ric Flair with, they're going to make it a, a priority, or Triple H or whoever is going to make it a priority to make sure that Flair and that person are getting an adequate amount of TV time and they're getting the exposure they need. They're not going to waste Flair on somebody. They're not going to put some mid-card jobber-level guy with him. They're not going to put Zack Ryder with, with Ric Flair. Okay, they're going to put somebody with him who they actually think they could do something with, who's going to get time on TV, and it would be the perfect spot to use a guy like, like a Dolph Ziggler. Now, this is coming from somebody who doesn't think Ric Flair needs to be back on TV. Okay, you know, he talks about guys like Mick Foley overstaying their welcome in wrestling, as if that isn't the fucking pot calling the kettle black. But if they're going to bring him back and he actually wants to work with Ziggler, if that's true... Doesn't that tell you that he sees something in the guy? What does that say about Dolph Ziggler standing in that company when Ric Flair asks to work with him and he gets shot down? Somebody has it out for this guy, for whatever reason. And you know what makes me really angry when I hear about shit like this? TNA. And I know, you know the fanboys are going to be all upset. There he goes, just piling on TNA. TNA has nothing to do with this, and yet somehow it's their fault. Here, here's what I mean when I bring up TNA. Had TNA not gone and fucked everything up, they could have been a real alternative to WWE. They've been around for 12 years. That's a long-ass time. Ring of Honor has actually been around slightly longer, only by a few months. 12 years is a long time. Plenty of time to establish your company, to, to establish an identity for your company. Okay, it may not be the 50 or 60 years that WWE, you know, they kind of have a head start on everything here. But that's a long time. They could have been something different. They could have been a real alternative to what we see for three hours every Monday, a lot of which isn't good either. Okay, that could have been them. Not competing with WWE, because they're never going to, but a place that had national TV exposure, which they do for now, that had a really talented roster, and they still do, but that roster is dwindling every single week, that knew what to do with that roster, which they clearly don't, that wasn't trying to be a, a sugar-free version of WWE, which they try to be every single week. Okay, we're a guy like Adolf Ziggler, and there's a million names you could put on that list. He's hardly the only one. But we're talking about Dolph here, so we'll go with him. A guy like him could look at his position and say, you know what, fuck these guys. When my contract is up, I'm jumping ship to TNA. If these guys won't give me a fair shake and don't want to make money with me, I'll go somewhere else and make money. And maybe WWE would actually think twice, and they would work extra hard to keep the guy and actually do something with him. Now, if Ziggler's contract expires and he goes to TNA, <laughs> I'm sure they'll make him champion within six months, but it's not going to mean a damn thing. I mean, you know, getting a, a certificate for having perfect attendance in elementary school means more than being the TNA champion these days. You think him going there at this point is going to make a difference? Of course not. And he's not going to make the kind of money somewhere else that he'd make in WWE. So he's kind of stuck in a way, but it would be nice. It would be nice for guys like him to have that option, and they don't. So they're stuck. So we read reports that they want Flair to manage The Miz instead of Ziggler, and you ask yourself why. What can Flair do for The Miz that he couldn't do times 10 for Dolph Ziggler, a guy people actually still react to and still care about when they've been given absolutely no reason to do so? Okay, Bob Holly, a guy who worked for 15 years for WWE. I reviewed his book on our YouTube channel a while back. It's, a really, it's really good. It's an honest read. I would recommend it to anybody who's looking for a wrestling book to check out. One thing he talked about in the book that I absolutely agree with, and I'm pretty sure I brought this up in my review, 
is this false notion that you've got to make your own push, right? You hear guys say that who have worked for WWE before. You know, guys get criticized for not stepping outside the box and doing stuff to get themselves noticed. And then when they do, what happens? What, do you, what, what reports do you hear about? They get punished for it. I bring up Holly because he just did an interview with the Shoot Radio Show, and he said the same thing. WWE is always preaching you have to work your ass off and this and that, but at the end of the day, it's all about Vince McMahon or Triple H. It's their choice. They call the shot. And Holly went on and on in this interview about how he thinks Dolph Ziggler is the best talent in WWE because he still pays attention, he watches the product, and he thinks Dolph is, is the best, the best thing they got. He loves the guy. He says he has everything it takes to be number one. That's just one person's view. Okay, I'm not calling Dolph Ziggler the best guy in WWE, but I, I would agree that he has everything it takes to be number one. Again, maybe the, maybe the promos aren't there, but again, that's where a guy like Flair could be so helpful. But I, I love. But to go back to Holly's point, though, I love that stuff about how oh, you've got to make your own push. I hear Jim Ross talk about that sometimes, and it drives me nuts because. From the outside looking in, as a fan, it sounds like complete horseshit. Well, here's a guy in Bob Holly who actually worked for the company for 15 years, who was on the inside, who went through a lot of the same stuff and the same politics and all that, and he's saying the exact same thing. It's all nonsense. They pick and choose who they like and who they don't. And if you get branded a certain way, it's very hard to wash that stink off yourself. And that's their choice, you know, whatever. It's their it's their sandbox to play in. Okay? It's their company. But it's frustrating to watch a guy like Ziggler consistently get passed over for, for opportunities because the guy's really, really good. Mick Foley. Mick Foley has been very vocal of late about a lot of things recently. <laughs> uh, he just did an interview for Jeff Jarrett's Global Force Wrestling YouTube channel, and he brought up Dolph Ziggler also. He said Ziggler is a prime example of how subjective the decision-making in WWE can be. And he said the same thing I've been saying for years and years on this podcast, which is that Dolph Ziggler is a terrible name. He's had it for so long now that I don't think it matters if you change it or not. I mean, it's been so many years. But Foley said he actually pitched this really detailed idea to WWE many years ago about how Dolph could get rid of the name and also get some mainstream publicity out of it. I guess he had this whole plan in his head drawn up. And he sent it over, but he never heard back from anybody in charge. Uh, it really is an awful name, I have to say. But it's not the name that's holding back Dolph Ziggler. It's somebody behind the scenes who has it in for the guy. You need new stars. When CM Punk walks out, when Daniel Bryan has to have neck surgery, when John Cena inevitably gets hurt again because he's 37 years old now, doing the kind of schedule he's doing and he's not unbreakable, when that happens, you need to have new stars ready to step up and take their spot. Ziggler's a guy with tenures. He's not new. But people will buy into him as a top-level guy if you give them a reason to do so. The Miz is not that guy. Holly sees it. Foley sees it. Flair sees it. Get your head out of your ass and give the guy a shot. Wow. Powerful word, JJ. What's your opinion on that, and do you agree? You know, what's amazing is what he just said towards the end of that was that Dolph Ziggler has been in the WWE for almost 10 years now. And a lot of people don't know that because this isn't his first time in the WWE. He's actually been three different people in the WWE. If you remember long ago when Eddie Guerrero just died, uh, Chavo Guerrero 
sort of changed his gimmick. He then became this sort of, you know, kind of wealthy, uh, you know, uh, he changed his name from Chavo Guerrero to, I think, Kerwin White. And uh, he was right, dressed right. as a society member. And he had, yeah, and he had this caddy. That caddy was Dolph Ziggler. That was Dolph Ziggler's first time on the main roster. But unfortunately, Eddie Guerrero passed away. And the WWE decided to drop the Kerwin White character, and Chavo went back to being a Guerrero. So they repackaged Dolph. And then he came into the WWE, joined the main roster for the second time, a part of the Spirit Squad. I forget what his name was, Kenny, Lenny, Zenny, Mikey, whatever. He was a part of the Spirit Squad. And then everybody thought that was a joke. No one took him seriously. And then they got rid of the Spirit Squad. And it would be a little bit longer before they would bring him back for a third time and establish him as Dolph Ziggler. And it's amazing. Ten years. And sometimes I wonder when you hear guys like Mick Foley and Hardcore Holly and they're praising this guy, do you think that those praises, did this hurt Ziggler? Do you think that WWE is listening to this and say, oh, well, all these guys want him to be pushed. Well, forget you. We're going to push who we want to push, and he's not on our list. At the same time, to bring Ric Flair back, Ric Flair, who wants to work with Dolph Ziggler, I can see a lot of uh, Ric Flair in Dolph Ziggler, just the, kind of that swagger, that attitude. He even kind of does like a little bit of a strut. It's not exactly like Ric Flair's, you know, strut walk. But, you know, he just has that cocky attitude that I think, uh, you know, Flair has. He's got that bleached, you know, white hair. You know, there's a similarity there. I don't know who else. Flair could work with, definitely not The Miz. I don't think they have any chemistry. I know they tried to pair them up. He tried to pass the figure four to The Miz, and then a lot of people made fun of The Miz that he struggles to put the figure four leg on properly, and, you know, they give him a hard time. You know, I don't hate The Miz either. I like the guy. I've said it before. I can't hate anyone that was a fan of this as a kid, the way I was a fan when I was a kid. So I can't hate the Miz. But I don't think that Flair is the right guy for the Miz. I think Flair would be great with Dolph Ziggler. Obviously, we just learned that the shield is broken up, so you can scratch that off completely. But uh, if there's anyone else I would bring in with Ric Flair, maybe Dean Ambrose. He's a guy who's kind of a lunatic. Ric Flair, also kind of a lunatic. He, he, he loses it in the middle of a match. I could see a similarity between Ambrose and Flair, but I would really love to see Dolph Ziggler get that push. So we were talking, uh, I was talking about Monday Night Raw just before you played that, and I forgot to mention they had the first qualifying match for Money in the Bank, and it was Alberto Del Rio versus Dolph Ziggler. And guess who won? It wasn't Dolph Ziggler. It was Alberto Del Rio. So, again, fans upset. I remember at the Payback pay-per-view in Chicago, there was no Dolph Ziggler, and I don't know if it was during uh, RVD's match or uh, Cesaro's match, and people were chanting, we want Ziggler, and yet the WWE is not listening. So it's a shame. I don't know what Dolph Ziggler did, what he's saying that's so controversial that's got him in the doghouse, but why this guy isn't one of the top guys in the company right now, especially with Punk on, especially with Daniel Bryan on the sidelines, with the fact that Brock Lesnar is here and there quarterly. The Undertaker has probably wrestled his last match. You need another guy to step up. You can't constantly have John Cena be the guy. You know, they're pushing Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt 
Roman Reigns. They might be next in line, but you need more. You need a guy like Dolph Ziggler. He's been there. He's earned it. I think it should be his time, but for some reason, they continue to keep him out of the fold. Why? I don't know. I think Ric Flair and him would be a great combination, but I don't think we're going to see it, unfortunately. I totally agree. What about you, Blackjack? Okay. um, They're going to step up the game in the next few months. Um, After this WrestleMania, we've seen what Hogan, um, they got the the, uh, revenge tour going on right now out out of of state here. So uh, there's talk about bringing uh, Hulk Hogan as like a, a referee. Uh, to, not a referee, as a uh, manager or whatever they're going to call these people. Uh, there's even talk of uh, Brooke Hogan. Uh, there's talk of bringing back uh, Harvey Whippleman. Um, there's even talk of bringing back the Brooklyn Brawler. William uh-huh. Regal has been uh, has, has been talked as far as bringing back the managers or uh, assistance to to the wrestlers, you know, bringing back uh, those notable names. Wow, I like Regal. And uh, also, uh, yeah. talking uh, in the next month, we'll see possibly Devon Dudley either back in TNA. Uh, they got uh, some strong uh, situations going on in that uh, organization. He could be back in TNA, and there's also a possibility of him uh, being brought into the uh, WWE. So those are the things to look out for. Well, I know WWE did an interview with Devon on the WWE.com. They caught up where every, every so often they catch up with an alumni, and they right. do an interview. They did an interview with Devon uh, recently, so I, it seems that he might be in talks with the WWE. I don't know if he's still in talks or it was just a one-shot deal. But I would like to see Devon come back. I think he's got uh, something to offer. I, we know he's got kids. He's got two sons who are wrestling. Maybe they could bring him up to NXT, and then they can you know, be a new tag team and eventually make their way to the roster, and Devon could be their manager. I mean, that's, that's something. That strong guy... Uh... Alliance that they got going on uh, in uh, with Lashley in TNA. Um, there's talk of of, of um, expanding that group. Oh, MVP. Yeah, MVP. That's right. There you go. Well, the the clip made a very good point about uh, TNA if they were bigger. Dolph Ziggler would be money there. You know, a lot of guys that we don't see, uh, let's put it this way, a lot of guys that don't get pushed right uh, would have a nice place um, in Yeah, but would they get pushed right in that organization? I don't think no wrestlers that have ever, notable wrestlers in the past haven't um, achieved. uh, Say again? Look at Christian when he went to TNA. He was the star there. Well, he's still a bigger star in WWE. I disagree. I totally disagree. But in any event, 
uh, Randy Savage, there is still talk that he will be in the Hall of Fame. Well, let's take a listen uh, to this clip. Debate on the other side. And finally, three years ago this week, on May 20th, 2011, Macho Man Randy Savage passed away from a heart attack that he suffered while driving. And his wife, I think they were married, I think his wife uh, was in the passenger seat and she swerved off the road, they hit a tree, she was okay. I mean, that could have been really, really bad. I mean, you have a heart attack while you're driving on the road and you start driving erratically, I mean, he could have killed somebody. Uh, Thankfully, nobody else died that day. Uh, But the way it went down was really unfortunate. I know the story of him and... I'm pretty sure they were married, so I'll, I'll call her his wife, but they used to be like high school sweethearts. I think before he even got into wrestling, he was playing baseball at the time, and uh, they reconnected all these years later, and they, were, they seemed to be happily in love, and, and then this happened. So a really, really shitty thing. Macho Man's one of my all-time favorites. I know based on all the emails I get weekly from you guys, he's your favorite, or one of your favorites. Because a lot of us grew up on him. You know, it was all about that nucleus of Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man and Andre the Giant and the Million Dollar Man. A lot of us grew up during that time period in, in WWE. But there are some people who are a little bit older than me who remember Savage from even before he came to WWE. You know, and they would see his stuff back in the old ICW promotion that his father ran. He did some stuff in Memphis with Jerry Lawler before he came over to WWE. I, you know, I wasn't as much of a fan of his stuff in WCW, but that was kind of the way it was at the time, you know, I wasn't really a big fan of a lot of stuff that they did with the ex-WWF guys when they went over, it just wasn't the same, you know, Hogan was very successful, and Savage was too, you know, he held the world title a few times there, and he was always prominently featured, uh, but it was never the same, and whatever happened between him and Vince, and him and WWE, the rumors of him and Stephanie, which have never been verified, and I never put any faith into those rumors at all that he had uh, had some sort of, you know, uh, relationship with a young Stephanie McMahon when he was still working there in WWE. The only reason I, I can't outright dismiss it is because it's very eerie, some of the comments that people have made, not the least of which includes Savage's own brother, Lanny Poffo. Well, Lanny Poffo, who was very close to Randy, they were very close right up until the time he died, and he's done shoot interviews where he gets asked about this. And he, at least in one of the interviews, has made... He made comments to the effect of, as far as those rumors are concerned, I can't tell you they're true and I can't tell you they're false because I never asked Randy directly about it. You'd have to ask him yourself or something like that. And that just made me take a step back and go like, whoa. Because that's the sort of thing where if you knew it wasn't true, you would dis- especially if you're the guy's brother, you would dismiss it and go, that's such bullshit. You know, that rumor got started on some old you know, BBS, Internet Bulletin Board back in the day, somebody trying to stir up shit or something. And he didn't say that. And that made me think twice and say, you know what? We can't outright dismiss that something may have happened because his own brother wouldn't outright dismiss it. And he was closer to Randy Savage than any of us were. So there's always going to be lingering questions. I think Stephanie's probably the only one who could really put them to bed. Stephanie or Vince. Uh, I, you know, like to maintain that Vince was probably just very upset at Randy for leaving. Randy was not just one of the old guard. I mean, he was pretty close with Vince. You know, they did the commentary on Raw every single week. Uh, I There was even a uh, some Raw video that popped up on YouTube. I don't know if it's still available. Uh, from many, many years ago, after one of the shows, it was Vince, I think Pat Patterson, 
and Randy Savage uh, walking into a Denny's restaurant. You know, those guys, he was part of that nucleus. I don't know that, you know, creatively he had any input at the time, uh, but he was one of the trusted guys there and saw that he was being phased out. Vince wanted this new generation. He didn't look at Randy Savage as being somebody who could be at the top of the card anymore. And that didn't sit very well with Savage. He, he didn't want to be an announcer. He wanted to be a wrestler. He wanted to be prominently featured in the mix, which he was in WCW, so he left. But Vince McMahon gave him this classy send-off on Raw. You know, when, when Savage uh, made the decision that he was going to leave, this was well before he made his debut on WCW TV, but I remember they came back from commercial break, and Vince McMahon had this on camera, and he did something I've never seen him do before. I've never seen him do since. He said, Randy Savage's contract expired, and we couldn't come to a, a, a new agreement. I want to wish Randy all the best. Uh, he, I mean, he was saying all these positive things about him. And then he debuted in WCW, and, and who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe it was that, that sense of betrayal. Maybe it was something else. We'll never know. Um, but it was sad the way that for so many years he was shunned from that company, as, as, as big of a part of it as he was. And we'll never have the chance to see him, you know, on stage at a Hall of Fame giving a very macho man-esque induction speech. He'll go in one day, I have no doubt about that. But it won't be the same, you know, because he's not there to accept on his own behalf. It's going to be a family member, or, it's, or if the family refuses to go, it's going to be somebody else who, you know, it's not going to be the same. And that's, that's a shame. And I, I made a, a comment on Twitter before. And I was only half joking when I made the comment. You know, we just had this award show with Michael Jackson's hologram. They had a, they had like a Tupac hologram a couple years ago. They just had a Michael Jackson hologram, and supposedly it, it took them six months to create this hologram and, and get it just right. Well, you know what? Time's ticking away. Now's the time. Start working on a Macho Man hologram in time for next year's Hall of Fame. Get some mainstream publicity out of it too. Having a Macho Man hologram. Macho Man hologram and uh, JJ, what's your thoughts on uh, everything he said? Well, what happened with Savage and Stephanie? The reason why they weren't on good terms for years, you know, I don't know the situation. Nobody knows, as he pointed out, that's between you know Savage, Vince, Stephanie. Obviously, you know, I don't think it was whatever happened. They made some sort of arrangement because you know, towards the end, before Savage died, he did sign a Legends contract. They put him in video games. They made toys of him. You know, uh, there was things in the works with Savage and the company, much like, you know, Warrior had signed his sort of Legends deal and was going to be a Goodwill ambassador. I think there's even a video of Savage. It's probably his last sort of uh, WWE video in which he was promoting one of the video games. And it was just crazy to see Savage, you know, promoting something WWE, you know, the, the video game or with the new uh, toy coming out, I don't know what. You are but, correct, I remember that. Yeah, and it was just really cool to see, you know, he had the white beard and stuff, it was it was just, it was different, you know, than we remember when, with the, the black hair and stuff, but it was cool to see that they seemed to be on, you know, good turn for Savage to make that leap and to come back home with the WWE, and unfortunately now there's this issue with the Hall of Fame because things were said that he didn't want to go into the Hall of Fame unless his family went in. But I think at this point, even his brother has said, you know, they can put him in and, you know, they can do whatever they want. You know, maybe we won't be a part of it or I won't be a part of it, but eventually they can do whatever they want to do. And at one point, like, like we've all been saying, I think 
Savage will be in the Hall of Fame one day. It could very well be the 2015 class next year. I think there's a good chance it could be, you know, next year. I hope it is, you know. Whether or not they do a hologram or not, that's another point. But uh, I think we've gotten to the point where the WWE, they talk about what's best for business. Macho Man Randy Savage in the Hall of Fame is what's best for business. Yes, yes, and let's, and how many more big names are there to lead off the, uh, you know, to lead in the Hall of Fame? Uh, this year was the Warrior. Uh, last year it was uh, Bruno. A blank. Bruno, right? The year before that was what? Rick Flair, something like that. Uh, the Edge and the Four Horsemen. Right. Uh, you had Hogan one year. You had uh, yeah, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair one year. Every year there's that one guy. Uh, but, hmm. So who do we have left? We have The Rock. We yeah, have The Undertaker. Yes. Uh... Who do we have after that? You know, Goldberg, Kevin Nash, Kevin Nash. That's that, that's true. Yes, I I I would think since they put Scott Hall in, but would he be at this point considered a a person that is like the Warrior or like Hogan? I don't know. Well, as you said, they're running out of names. I mean, Nash is one of your last big uh, names. He was a champion in WCW. He was a part of the NWO. He has, of course, the yeah. click in WWE. He was a champion in WWE. So he has, you know, the resume. Yes, yes. I guess you could do Nash. Uh, you know, like Devon Eriks were yeah. uh, in – all the Von Eriks were honored in the WWE. And – we all know that only Kerry was a part of it, instrumentally at least. So with that in mind, um, you know, you could have Sting in the Hall of Fame. Yes. It's not, it's not really a quote-unquote WWE Hall of Fame. They yeah. should actually just change it to a wrestling, just to just be called the Wrestling Hall of Fame. Well, wrestling's because, a dirty word at WWE. It's all about entertainment. Yes, the Entertainment Hall of Fame. And uh, in closing, uh, you know, The Undertaker, I must tell you this story. He did beat the shit out of our guest that was supposed to come on, Billy Silverman. He took a shit on him. <laughs> Shoot, Blackjack knows it. <laughs> and uh, Billy, you're a fucking scumbag for not coming on the show. Who? You fucking piece of shit. Who is? Silverman. We could have King Harley Race. We could have Mr. Hughes. We could have Honky Talk Man. We could have Virgil. We could have old Joe Gertner. All these guys giving me the word. And this skinny, disgusting, 
piece of shit, no good scumbag, Billy Silverman, you fucking piece of shit. He probably After he gives me his fucking word, you scrawny. You don't think so? There's been many times I've forgotten to uh, call into the show. Huh? Yeah, he gave me the message earlier today. Something came up. You don't think so? He could have told me. Oh, man. I just think things happen in life here that, you know, are unforeseeable sometimes. You know, I get it plugged on WrestlingFigs.com. They go out of their way. You know, I ask people to plug it, and, and this, this fucking asshole, who the, oh, the Undertaker took a shit on, he doesn't even show up. What a fucking creep. And you know what? I'm, I'm glad you got fired from the WWE in 2007, you fucking scumbag piece of shit. But anyway, back to wrestling news. Sorry about that. You gotta that. be kidding me. Just had to get that out of the way. Of course, WWE returned to Madison Square Garden and uh, Chicago JJ. I gotta tell you, the crowd there was awesome for payback. No pun intended. Yeah, Chicago, you know, there's a lot of controversy with CM Punk and him being there, not being there. But I got to say, I think Chicago was on their best behavior. There wasn't that many CM Punk chants. They didn't try to take over the pay-per-view. They chanted for him once or twice, but eventually they moved on. They focused on the wrestling. You know, like I said, it was a good show. They gave, the WWE gave Chicago a show to, you know, get into. It wasn't just them begging for Punk. They were into the matches. They were into Sheamus and Cesaro. They were into, uh, you know, Rob Van Dam and Wade Barrett. You know, Bray Wyatt and John Cena, which I thought they stole the show with their last man standing match. A lot of people like to talk crap about John Cena, but I thought they did a really nice job. It was a very physical match. You know, despite that they don't bleed much, you know, these days because of the PG, you know, Cena and, and Bray, they got cut up. Their elbows were cut up. Bray was bleeding from the mouth, so it was a very nice physical match. There's a lot of people making jokes online because the finish of the match required uh, John Cena to do an attitude adjustment uh, towards the uh, entranceway, and he did an attitude adjustment to Bray Wyatt in which Bray landed into some backstage luggage or something into a box, mm. and he basically got trapped in the box, and Cena then pushed in another you know, huge, you know, like suitcase box over, you know, Bray. So Bray was pretty much buried. And, of course, the Internet wrestling fans were chanting, and, or not chanting, but they were going online on Twitter, and they were saying, oh, great, John Cena buries another talent. You know, that's a joke, is Cena always buries people. But, you know, I thought that was a great match. I don't think it hurt Bray Wyatt, despite the fact that, you know, he lost to John Cena. I think Bray is doing uh, really well right now. He's got the fan support. You know, back in the days when you had, you know, heels and baby faces, the heels' job was to put over the baby face, and that's pretty much what happened. Bray put over Cena. Cena won. The people, whether they loved it or not, it, you know, that it is what it is. But uh, I think Bray White will be okay. We're going to see him on uh, Friday night SmackDown. So we'll see what happens then. But, again, the main event, Shield and Evolution, another great match. The fact they had to follow 
uh, Bray Wyatt and John Cena was, was pretty amazing. Like I said, it was a no holds barred elimination match. And uh, I definitely thought we were going to see some sort of three-on-one, two-on-one, some sort of handicap matchup. But the Shield did a clean sweep. And uh, they took out Batista first. They took out Randy Orton. They came down to all three members of the Shield defeating Triple H. It was uh, really unbelievable. I didn't expect that. And uh, what a way to end at the Shield. When you think of the Shield, the last thing you're going to remember is, of course, Monday Night Raw. But uh, just the day before, at Payback, you saw the Shield look better than ever, as strong as ever, uh, probably one of the best factions in wrestling today, maybe not of all time, but the Shield really put a boost in the tag team wrestling, so I'm a little disappointed that they broke up because that's another team that's gone. You know, they broke up the Real Americans, which was yeah. Antonio Pro and Jack Swagger, they broke up Goldust and Cody Rhodes, it seems, and now the Shield is sort of split. I don't know if Dean, Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns will stick together or go their separate ways, but uh, it's just sad to see the Shield broken up. They've put so much great wrestling in the last sort of year and a half that they've been on the main roster, but it should create a lot of exciting uh, future matchups going forward between Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. The brothers, they will be back. <laughs> and the Who's views this? expressed by the king earlier on were definitely expressed by the king, uh, Jordan himself. Oh, my God. Well, somebody's got to say, when you don't see, as Vince McMahon says, that is a no-no. I've never in the heard of an onslaught like that. I guess I guess that didn't show up. You do not, like he said about the warrior, you do not cheat the fans. You do not tell that you're going to be there and then no show, like the warrior did. Did you advertise him? Did you advertise him, King? Yes, I did. He probably forgot today. I don't care about Billy Silverman. He's a piece of shit. I lost lost track of days. Listen, it's the fans that if it was on his Facebook page, he saw it. He confirmed it. I have it in paper here. But the point is, listen, Richard Mann said it's the ultimate no-no to not show up in the wrestling world. You know that. Without due cause. There might be a due cause. There might be a what? There might be a due cause. A reason why he couldn't show up. Something, something out of his control. Well, hopefully, I'm you know, he's, on- you know, he's okay. He's well. You know, he, uh, you know, I, I don't wish him any harm, but you, you never know. Something with the family, no, you know. He's somewhere else. Things he happen. He posted some Facebook. He's somewhere else in Vegas or something. Let me try his number so I'd give it out. But that's another story. <laughs> but uh, payback, uh, overall, good reviews. Uh, our friend Jeff liked it. Bagel uh, guy Jeff. One, bagel guy Jeff. Yes. So, uh, 
My man, my buddy. Yes, and SummerSlam, JJ, is that in L.A. again? Yes, I believe so. They're continuing that tradition of keeping SummerSlam over at, I believe, what, the Staples Center. It will be housed to uh, SummerSlam this year as well. Wow. Any any indications of uh, what we might say? Well, we're hoping to see Brock Lesnar. I mean, he should be making one of his few appearances. He should be making one at SummerSlam. He should be making one, I think, at Night of Champions. But, uh, you know, what's going to happen, what people are really wondering is uh, money in the bank. You know, we we have to have a champion. And right now, Daniel Bryan is unfit to be a champion. We don't know if he'll be cleared by Money in the Bank, which is, uh, I believe, this, you know, towards the end of the month. I believe this is the 14th uh, Money in the Bank that we've had. There's been, uh, I think, six Money in the Banks at WrestleMania. There's been five pay-per-views called Money in the Bank. So this will be, I think, the the 15th uh, Money in the Bank uh, event. So that should be sort of interesting. And like I said, this could be a Money in the Bank for a briefcase, or for a championship. It's really up to Daniel Bryan and whether or not he'll be cleared and if he can make it to SummerSlam. At this oh, point wow. in time, you, you give uh, a chance for the winner uh, of The Undertaker, the, the man that defeated The Undertaker, should come in and, and, and take everything. Yeah. He's on a streak. Keep him on that streak. He's on a still on a high. He's still celebrating from that defeat of the Undertaker. Bring him back, let him win the title, and have him have a match somewhere down the line against uh, CM Punk or uh, Brian once again, or even uh, Cena. That's where I would gear everything. I might even have Lesnar and Cesaro if they were able to have the Money in the Bank. I'd have Cesaro win Money in the Bank and then possibly cash it in on Lesnar. I would go for that, too. Oh, uh, Cesaro, what? That's a good one. Yeah, because Paul Heyman is, of course, the advocate of both Brock Lesnar and Antonio Cesaro. The fact that if Cesaro yeah. wins in the money in the bank, that would make him, of course, you know, could very well be the next future champion. And if Brock Lesnar comes back and wins the title, that creates a lot of tension between the Paul Heyman guys. So that, that would be create, you know, great television. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And uh, Cesaro, what do you see in his future? Sorry, you, JJ? Yeah, you know, his future looks good right now with, Paul Heyman by his side. He won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Cup. It seems like he may or may not be going after one of these, you know, mid-card titles, the United States title, the Intercontinental title. But, you know, with the situation with Daniel Bryan, you might even just already shoot him up to the top and be a potential world champion. Because, as we mentioned before, I mean, the title picture in the WWE isn't as strong as it used to be. I mean, you need someone to step up. They don't want to give the ball to Ziggler for whatever reason. You know, there's guys like Roman Reigns who's still working at becoming one of those top guys. Bray Wyatt's trying to become one of those top guys. And so is Cesaro. So Cesaro could very well be one of the next top guys. You know, I am very curious to see what they do with Cesaro next. 
Yeah, I mean, he did win that Royal Rumble, that Battle Royal at WrestleMania, the Andre the Giant uh, Memorial. But uh, that's it. Uh, as far as, uh, you know. And the other guy, uh, I'm wondering if you think he'll ever get a push, is a fellow by the name of Ryback. Mm. Yeah. Ryback, I don't know. He was another guy who was a Paul Heyman guy, quote-unquote. Him and Curtis Axel, and yet they couldn't wait to get Paul Heyman away from them. So I don't. Uh, it doesn't bode well for them and their future. Right now they're just kind of still paired up together and sort of the ex-Paul Heyman guys that call themselves Rybaxel. So, uh, you know, right now they're, I guess, going up with the Usos for the tag team titles. But uh, individually, I, I don't, it doesn't look good for them. I don't think uh, they plan on pushing Ryback or even Curtis Axel anytime soon. Speaking of tag teams, we haven't seen the New Age Outlaws in some time. What's the story with them? They're busy in the back um, with the um, uh, as agents. Yeah. They pretty much fulfilled uh, their television obligations. They came in. They were, you know, a breath of fresh air in the tag team division. They had some, you know, dream scenarios with the Outlaws and Goldust and Cody Rose and the Outlaws and the Shield. And then there's talk of them becoming the Hall of Fame uh, next year. Yeah, that's another Mm. good uh, lineup. The New Age Outlaws, they definitely deserve it as a tag team. Oh, absolutely. That would definitely uh, bode well. Uh, They were part of the big DX movement in 98, 99, 2000. Uh, I have no problem with that. But uh, what... do we have we have two pay-per-views this month at WWE, or is that next month? Yes, uh, they just had, of course, payback uh, June 1st. But as I mentioned before, Money in the Bank will be at the end of the month. Uh, they do have two pay-per-views, if you can believe that. That's why being a, a WWE Network subscriber is awesome for me, because I'm already billed for the month. They can't bill me twice, so I'm already set. I'm going to be watching Money in the Bank pretty much for free because I already was billed at the start of the month, my uh, 9.99, So I'm pretty much all set. I feel bad for the people who don't have the network and have to put up another $50 to see. So uh, in order to get the network, you have to have a uh, cable, right? You've got to have a computer. In order to have the W network, yes, you have to have uh, a computer, an Internet connection. You need to be able to be connected to the Internet. So you need a laptop, you need a computer, you need an iPhone. You just need to be able to connect to the Internet. And don't you think if that was a wider, wider range where people can get that on the TV, uh, their buy rates will, will probably be a lot better than, than it has been? Well, even if they, uh, they sort of can, because if you have a video game console, if you are an owner of a PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4, if you own an Xbox 360 or the new Xbox One, you could connect, you know, these video game consoles to the Internet and then plug these consoles into your television and you could watch the WWE Network on your television. It is possible. It's a little bit of a hassle. you got to kind of know what you're doing, but I've, I tried it already. I plugged in my PlayStation 3 
to the Internet, and I was able to watch when I first got the WD Network back in, what, February 27th, earlier this year when the network went live on day one. That's the first time I connected was through my PlayStation 3. And now, of course, I watch on my laptop. I can watch on my you know, iPad. So, uh, you know, but uh, you can watch it on your TV. It's a little extra work. I know if you could just watch it on your net, on your television without all that, you know, connections and stuff, they probably would have more subscribers because people don't want to do a lot of work. They want something that's instant and that's exactly. easy. So, unfortunately, they don't have that. So that, that could be a problem that turns away a lot of subscribers. They don't want to go through that hassle. They want something that's easy and instant. And uh, uh, how do you like, the uh, Legend House, JJ? Well, you know, I've been watching Legend House on the network. Uh, the WWE just announced the top ten shows on the network. Uh, number ten, I believe, was Extreme Rules, the, the pay-per-view last month. Believe it or not, number nine was WrestleMania 30. It's still one of the most-watched uh, shows on the network. They have, of course, the Raw Backstage Pass, which is the post-show Main event, which was uh, live now every Tuesday, the NXT pay-per-view, or not pay-per-view, but the NXT special event, I was telling you earlier, TakeOver, mm. that was one of the top shows. Of course, uh, Payback, people who watched the pay-per-view, or, yeah, the pay-per-view this Sunday, that was the number one show on the network this week. A lot of people tuned in to watch uh, Payback on the network. And, of course, Legends House is uh, part of the top five programs on the WWE, uh, WWE Network, and, you know, I enjoy it. It's, uh, it's kind of silly. It's kind of entertaining. It's kind of cool to, to see guys that I grew up watching, guys like Hillbilly Jim and Rowdy Piper and Mean Gene and Howard Finkel and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and even Pat Patterson's there, and they're, they're all very different. Uh, Tony Atlas is there as well. They're all very different, unique characters, and sometimes they don't get along, and when they don't get along, it's kind of entertaining. But, hey, did uh, you see that so, part with the shoe when they, uh, with uh, Tony Atlas? Oh, no. They took the shoe and they put it on his head? <laughs> <laughs> that's a real fetish for him. That's, and they bring that to real. the forefront. Yeah, that's that's no joke. They did a, an episode where it was, I don't know if it was one of those, uh, they call it LARPing, which is, I guess, some sort of role-playing where they dress up and they're kind of like Vikings or whatever, and they have to save the princess. So they had, uh, you know, the princess is one of the, I don't know, the host of the show. Her name's Ashley. I think she's a former singer of the Pussycat Dolls. And they had it where they had, all they had left of Princess Ashley was her shoe. So immediately, of course, they give it to Tony Atlas, and, you know, he's doing whatever he does, and he put it on his head, and he was so happy. He was like a, a pig in mud or something. He was beside himself. <laughs> he's got no shame to his game when it comes to a high heel shoe or even a, a sandal of a woman. Oh, yeah, unbelievable. That's the thing. It has to be of a woman, because he even yeah. mentioned the show. Uh, I don't know if someone made a joke. I don't know if it was Hacksaw or Piper. They said, well, let me give you my shoe. And he went, no, it's got to be a shoe of a woman. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what, are, what are they feeding Howard Finkel? I mean, he's eating pretty good there. Oh, boy. He yeah, they put on stuff. I'm yeah, out the weight they, there. 
They tease Howard Finkel a lot. He's uh, definitely, if you remember WrestleMania 1 and all the early WrestleManias and Howard Finkel being the uh, ring announcer announcing the superstars, he is not the Howard Finkel from those shows. He has changed. Yes, he has put on some weight. Uh, I believe Tony Atlas has been trying to cook for him, try to, you know, give him some healthy food. Tony Atlas, but bring up, is in tremendous shape. Yeah, Tony Atlas looks uh, phenomenal. Of course, he has that bodybuilding history, and uh, he definitely hasn't slowed down at all. He's still uh, got a tremendous physique, a bigger physique than pretty much any of the superstars in the WWE today. He is uh, rock solid. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, those conversations that they show with Jim Ross, I don't know if you guys remember that when WWE was on demand, I saw a lot of that two, three, four, five years ago. Uh, That's not new stuff when they have Jim Ross at the table there with uh, Doc Hendricks or Michael Hayes, whatever you want to call him, and uh, Pat Patterson and those guys. Uh, That was on WWE On Demand, uh, Mm -hmm. which is no longer available. Yeah, Um, but... that was uh, a, like seven bucks a month, and uh, you could watch pretty much anything. Not like w, not like the network, nothing like that. But every week, Nitro and Raw, you know, it, it was pretty cool for a little while. Um, but a lot of the stuff, the original stuff, they took from there. So, but yeah, like the old shows, man, of, of, of the Raws, of, of those shows are 12 years old, 13, 15 years old, and they still look as fresh. I still see myself know, on there. They show ECW late night a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah it's unbelievable. They, on purpose, yeah. Great yeah. stuff. They go way back with the ECW. Oh, yeah, really do. You see Taz back when he was the Tasmaniac or, or the Tasmanic. You know, that was before he was the human suplex machine with the towel on his head, and he was kind of more like a barbarian. It's amazing, uh, as Bully Ray said, you know, ECW, you, you know, only didn't even make it to 10 years, but no. fans will never forget those three letters. And uh, they changed the business. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Paul Haven wasn't good with his pocketbook, but he was a genius when it came to wrestling, as uh, Bully Ray said. And uh, he turned P.J. Walker, or whatever his name is, P.J. Palaka, uh, into uh, just incredible with Lance Storm. And uh, getting all that heat at uh, Philadelphia at the uh, ECW arena, he made just incredible important. He made a lot of guys important. Important. He made uh, the Tajiri uh, and super crazy matches were off the fucking charts. I'm telling you, you and the Mike Awesomes and my Masato Tanaka matches, they were just awesome. Oh, definitely. 
Yes. And JJ, what would you say uh, your favorite feud is in the uh, ECW? Oh wow! I mean, there's been so many great ones. When you think of, uh, it depends what you like. Whether you like, you know, classic, you know, mat based uh, wrestling, or if you like that kind of hardcore extreme style. There were some great feuds. You know, guys like Raven and Tommy Dreamer. Uh, feuds like Taz and Sabu. Uh, Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn. How about I'm, Rob Van Dam and Sabu? They had it, some great matches, and they exactly. even had some great tag matches. That's right. As as well on his first pay-per-view, fairly legal, where WCW wrestlers uh, tried to get in. <laughs> yeah, it was a tremendous time in ECW, like you said. Something, I think... Uh, you know, without ECW, you wouldn't have, you know, the Attitude Era. Stone Cold Steve Austin might have been named in the WWE, but he was developing that character when he was in, you know, ECW. And he was, you know, stunning Steve in WCW, and he came in. He was pissed off because he got fired over the phone by Eric Bischoff. He was poking fun at Hulk yeah. Hogan, dressing up. I was saying that's exactly when he came in, when Austin was doing the Hogan gimmick in ECW. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember the, the gimmick and him dressing up in yellow with the headband and, you know, his hair. And I just, you know, it was just a part for Austin to cut loose and to say whatever he wanted. And those were the times when you could really see that was Stone Cold Steve Austin. He didn't have the name Stone Cold, but that was when it was really born in ECW. Exactly, J.J. He had the platform to do what he wanted, unlike in WCW where they treated him like shit and uh, just kept him mid-card. Paul Heyman saw his talent, you know, and uh, exposed it. And uh, the rest is history. I mean, without that little six-month stop at ECW, we might not have Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's because right. Because man spotted him in the ECW, mm-hmm. as well as Foley and countless others. So, you know, it's a test. It's a testament to what Paul Heyman did with, frankly, not not too much to work with. You know, yeah. I mean, we would have had Norman Smiley and people like that with. With jobbers in WCW, he would have made them stars. You know, he took a guy like Mikey Whipwreck and made him interesting. You yeah. know, he made that Raven feud with his son and Beulah and Tommy and uh, really, really good stuff. And all the Dudleys. And uh, Mikey Whipwreck. Because Mikey Whipwreck, his finisher was basically the Stone Cold Stunner. Austin pretty much stole that from Mikey Whipwreck. Uh, yes, yes. And Mikey Whipwreck beat him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that is the story in any event. Uh, but, yeah, as usual, thank you, uh, Double J, and uh, no Dominic this week. For some reason. Hope he's okay. 
Huh? You know, Dominic, doesn't or- Dominic doesn't order the pay-per-view, so whenever we have a pay-per-view, he usually stays away because he hasn't seen it. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, there are a couple birthdays that I, I think uh, Chris Paul, whose birthday mm-hmm. is today, and somebody, you know, I saw it on Facebook, but in any event, uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. holding that down. Thanks, King, uh, for having me on. And Blackjack, you know, it's always a pleasure, man. Thanks, guys. Brother JJ, as yeah. always, King, see you guys hopefully next week. Absolutely. Here's a preview of tomorrow's OJ20. We'll speak to you guys tomorrow at 9 p.m. East, 8 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. on the West Coast. Take care, rest of the day. I want you to pull the microphone close to you there. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot to ask him to state and spell his name. Brian Cato Kalen, B R I A N K A T O K A E L I N. Ms. Clark. Right, Mr. Kalen, is Cato your middle name? A nickname. Is that what people call you instead of Brian? Yes. You a little bit nervous today? Feel great. (laughs) (laughs) A little nervous. All right, Mr. Kalin, did you know someone by the name of Nicole Brown Simpson back in 1992? Yes. Can you tell us, please, how you met her? In Aspen, Colorado. And what was the event? Uh, it was uh, like a Christmas break, and I went with a buddy, and we met. And what uh, month was that, if you recall? December. Who was the buddy you were with that when you met Nicole Brown? Grant Kramer. Did you get involved in some kind of romantic relationship with her? Did I? Did you? No. I, I said, Nicole, I, who lives back there? And she said, no one. And then I said, could I? And she says, well, if you do, you have to clean it out. And I said, great. Was and it not clean at that time? There was uh, furniture in there, uh, um, treadmill, and a few other things. Okay. And that was it. So did you make some agreement with her concerning paying rent? Living there? Yes. And what was your agreement? Uh, it'd be four fifty five hundred for rent, and then take care of the kids. Nicole would take things off, and uh... now during that time, did you have occasion to meet Mr. Simpson? Not in January. I think it was in February. I don't know the exact date. Sometime but... in February of 1993. Yes. And when I say Mr. Simpson, is that someone you see in court today, sir? Yes, sir, Jane. Point them out, please. There. Thank you. Okay. And how was it you met him? What was the occasion? Oh, he came by. To the house on Gretna Green? To the house on Gretna Green. How long did you live at that house on Gretna Green? Until January of 94, the beginning of January. Right there. Why not? 
I was going to move in, and I moved in at OJ's. Why not? Why'd you do that? Uh, because OJ asked me to go to his house. I mean, it was part of the deal. I went there instead of moved in with Nicole. There's. What did the defendant say to you about moving into his house instead of Nicole's uh, condominium or townhouse? Um, well, I mean, we talked about it, and uh, it was sort of the, like the right thing to do that not to be in the same house that I should probably go there and OJ offered me his place. It was uh, free and, and he said when you can stay as long as you want and when it's time for you to go he let me know. Okay. Now so did he um, indicate anything to you with respect to what he thought of the fact that you'd be living in the same house with Nicole Brown? Well they were trying to work things out and I said that I understood. It wasn't, uh, I thought maybe I shouldn't be a guy in the house and I would go there. Kind of like that. Did he, thought, did he indicate to you in some way that he thought it was inappropriate for you to be in the same house with her? Or you didn't like it? Well, it not didn't like, but it probably wouldn't be right. And why wouldn't it be right? I, I don't know the answer. Were you lovers? No. Just friends? Friends. Did you tell the defendant that? Oh, he, he knew we were friends. But he still didn't want you living in that house? I, I guess, I mean, I didn't and uh, I guess not. Okay. And so he offered to let you stay at his uh, house on Rockingham, is that? Yes. Do you recall the address on Rockingham? Where he lived? Um, at 360 North Rockingham. Mm-hmm. And what was your arrangement with the defendant concerning how, what kind of rent you'd be paying him to stay at his place on Rockingham? I, I offered rent and OJ said he didn't want my money and that was it. So he let you stay there for free? Yes. Now were you an aspiring actor back then, sir? Yes. And you still are? Yes. Did you think it might be advantageous to you to stay with the defendant and get to know him for your acting career? I, I didn't think that. I never asked for anything. I thought I was getting rent free, so I didn't, yeah, we didn't ask anything. Mm -hmm. Did you uh, think that your friendship with him, your acquaintanceship, especially living on his property, might send acting roles your way? I didn't think that. I just, I never asked. I was hopefully getting things on my own. Mm -hmm. But I... So you, you know, if, if he did, if he, he'd bring it up on his own. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going for the same parts. What I'm getting at, sir, is this. You hoped it might help, but you weren't going to ask him for help. Is that right? Uh, I, it could, he could have helped me. I mean, it... If it happened, it could, he was someone that could help me, yes. Entrance to the room. Those doors? These doors, this would be my, how I'd get in. My bed. Uh, the office. This is a dresser. TV. Now, for the record, when the witness said, oh, they suggested to the room, 
uh, just behind, just past the bed. When he indicated the front entrance, he indicated shuttered doors and showing the photograph. I think the rest is on the right. Yes. If you open these shuttered doors and walk straight out, so can you tell us what you go to, what area? Okay, there's uh, cement here, three steps that thick three that lead up, and you'd walk straight as you kind of hit the pool. And left is the main house, and right would be the other guest houses. With respect to photograph B, sir, can you tell us what's shown in that photograph? The shot would probably was taken like from the office spot area. Were you uncomfortable living there? No, it was uh, another maid that was saying things. Another maid? Yes, before this. That didn't want you living there? She would say things. Do you want to know her name? Yes. Michelle. Did you have some running with her? No. She would say, Oh, gee, once you out, but I never believe in tell you should you should go, Cato. I said, okay. And OJ would say, I'll tell you when to go, not Michelle. So she was urging you to leave? Since day one. <laughs> Do you know why? Do I know why? Yeah. She, I don't know. I don't, I think she just wanted the house. Wanted the house? Well, I don't think she wanted someone new there. Hmm. I don't, my, I mean, I can't. Hmm. Did she clean your, I'm sorry, did she clean your room? Yes. Sometimes she'd come in and just would just show up. Did you ever ask her to clean your room? No. Hmm. All right, directing your attention to June the 12th. Yes. Can you tell us uh, who was in the house, June the 12th of 1994, can you tell us who was in the house on that date? On June 12th? Yes. Oh, just myself and uh, OJ. Was Gigi there? She was not there. How about Arnell? I didn't see Arnell. Okay. And Arnell, of course, we're referring to, did he talk to you or mention anything to you about Nicole during that conversation? Um, it was, they weren't together. How did that come up? It was conversation. I mean, I was reading a paper and it would come up about just Nicole, that their relationship was over. Do you recall how that happened to come up? How come you were talking about him and Nicole being through? I think it just came up um, about, uh, he was going to recital. I think it had to do with um, um, Paula. Because yeah, I think OJ just wanted to go to the recital on his own and I think she wanted to go. I, and I think it just came up like that. Did Paula call at some point in that afternoon during that conversation? Gosh, I... I, I think so. I, I can't recollect it. I'm sh I think so. Who do you mean when you talk about Paula? Who's that? Um, OJ's girlfriend. Paula Barbieri, is that? Yes. Did you have a conversation with the defendant about Paula Barbieri? That she, I think she wanted to go and that was it. That I think OJ just wanted to make it kind of a family thing, just be on his own. Okay. Did he tell you that uh, Paula was upset because she wanted to go to the recital? Mm-hmm. Yes. She wanted to show Nicole that she was the defendant's girl? Mm, sustained. No, is this what the defendant told you? Great question. I'm sorry, Ron. What did the defendant tell you that Paula said to him? I think she was upset that she wasn't going to go. 
what the nature of that conversation was it was um, to get some he had hundred dollar bills and he needed uh, like a five for the sky cap and he asked me if I had some cash okay. so after uh, he told you he only had hundred dollar bills and he needed a five dollar bill for the sky cap what did you do I uh, gave him 20 you gave him a 20 was it a twenty dollar bill yes And when you uh, gave him the $20 bill, did you put it in his hand? Yes. Could you see both his hands? One hand, for sure, but I, I could see both hands, yeah. Did you notice him bleeding or cut on either hand? No. And so, and what happened next? I, I gave him the money, and he said he was going to get hamburger, and I said, can I go? You invited yourself to go with him? Yes. And what was his response to that? Sure. You seem real excited to have you come. Sustained. Wouldn't you? You and the defendant, when you walked out to McDonald's, did you walk behind him? When you walked out to go to the car to go to McDonald's, did you walk behind him? Yes. And did you walk through the pool area behind him? Oh, oh, oh. The pool, the, we walked to the back door. Yes. And through the bar area. Okay. And yes. you were walking behind him, were yes. you? Yes. And, and where did you walk then? To the kitchen nook, out the door to the car. And you were walking behind him the whole time? Yeah, pretty much so. I think he was leading. Did he walk funny? No. Was he limping? No. And when you got into the car, you went to, you indicated you went to a McDonald's on Santa Monica Boulevard? Yes. Is that the closest McDonald's to Rockingham? No. Which one is closer? There, there is one on, uh, I believe, Wilshire. On Wilshire? Yes. But you didn't go to that one? No. Who chose the, which McDonald's to go to? Who chose the place to go and eat? OJ. And you're sure you did not go to Burger King? Oh, yes. You went no. to McDonald's? McDonald's. Tug of war today with Brian Cato Kalin caught in the middle. Both sides, prosecutors and defense attorneys, pulling at Kalin, trying to get him to say what they wanted him to say about O.J. Simpson's demeanor, Simpson's, quote, degree of upsetness. Nicole didn't let me see Sydney. I want to see my daughter. I want to see her. And, uh... Oh, boy. Kind of like, I want to see my daughter. And then uh, they're wearing these tight outfits that these... I don't know, Cato. I don't know how they can wear these tight outfits. They're just, uh, if they're going to be grandmas one day, I mean, can they wear those? Was that the yeah. tone of voice? No, it was, it was sort of 
they can't be wearing those tight outfits, uh, but it was a degree of upset. It's such a hard thing to, I, being upset, uh, it wasn't throwing things, it wasn't wearing that miniskirt. But Marsha Clark read from previous testimony and tried to make it appear Kalen was contradicting himself. Thank you for joining us here on King Jordan Radio. It is Friday, April 18th, 2014. And today we're scheduled to have a famous guest by the name of Adina Howard. And uh, we are waiting for Adina to check in. Um, We have a lot of numbers out there. Let's see if she checked in. Uh, Miss Adina Howard, are you with us? I am. Welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm blessed. How are you? Uh, It really, really isn't. Wait. Uh, (laughs) uh, Another person that I want to ask you about uh, is the King of Pop, Michael Jackson. Uh, What was your uh, impression of Michael Jackson, the singer? who passed away in June 2009. Man, I grew up with little Michael, and, <laughs> you know, it, it was just one of those things. I remember, because I'm originally from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I remember oh. the Jackson 5s coming through Michigan, and I believe they were coming through Grand Rapids, and I remember an article being in our local newspaper, and I cut the article out, and I put the article under my pillow with the hopes that if I put the article under my pillow, I would either be able to go to the concert or he would show up at my door and love on me. Needless to say, neither one of those things happened. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I had the eight tracks, which tells you how, how young I am. But I had the eight <laughs> tracks. I had the sets. I had the posters. I was... Um, how you feel? Isn't huh? that true? It's not how oh, yeah. old you are, how you feel, how you look, you how go. you feel. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. But I was a huge, huge fan. And, you know, it was really sad that, you know, Any the song in particular took place to his life. Any, oh, my gosh. There's so many songs. <laughs> There's so yeah, many songs. I mean, you like I said, I'm, I'm from. I I started with Jackson Fives, so right. when you talk about Jackson Five to to Michael Jackson's, you know, last Solo. project, it, it, right. it's. I I mean, it's ridiculous. Dirty Diana is one of my favorites. Oh. Um, wow. Let's see. 
Say Say Say, which you know, one of my songs is one of my favorites with, that he did with Paul McCartney. The Girl Is Mine, by you know, that he did with Paul McCartney is one of my favorites. So I mean, literally, there's his discography. Which is did you get a remix in 208 that he did with Well I Am? Um, did I? I'm not quite sure. I don't think so. Yeah. Because when they the came out with the remixes first. after he passed away, was it the remix after he passed away or before he passed away? This is, yeah, a year before he passed. It was a 25th anniversary special, and Will I Am and Kanye did some cuts, uh, uh, and Akon did uh, Want to Be Starting Something by himself, but no, Michael and Will I Am did uh, The Girl Is Mine. Really sounded neat. <laughs> no, well, I'm gonna have to Google it and listen to it because I didn't hear that one. I like, you know, I'm I like his, you know, his old his older stuff, his classics. Rock with you. You know it. You know it. <laughs> I have actually I have um, off the wall uh, downloaded in my computer. So right. oh yeah. And it's actually and it's in my phone, too. The videos he always made were like movies. That's what people uh, also liked. Like, you see, remember the time you got uh, mm-hmm. Matt Johnson in there, Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murphy, uh, that princess. You know, it's a whole story that he's telling. So it was co- really cool, you know. He was MJ. a very unique artist. He was a very unique artist, very talented you know, yeah. gifted individual. And, again, it's sad that, you know, the turn of events took his life because, you know, he had his vices. And and at the end of the day, your body can only take so much. And once it's gotten to that breaking point, you know, it is what it is. But, again, yeah. I'm grateful that I was able to be a witness to, you know, one of the greatest that ever lived. You could imagine, though, if you're Michael Jackson and the mean press who needs stories every day are constantly picturing you, misquoting you, and saying that. I'm sure you had that yourself, but Michael Jackson, who's top three of all time, I'm sure had a lot of suffering through that because they said a lot of nasty things that were not true at all or or over-exaggerated. Yeah, I, I'm sure that it took a toll on him. It really does. It really, really does. Because the one thing that I've learned um, is people have expectations, and they have expectations of everyone, be it, you know, a celebrity, their parents, their siblings, you know, their coworkers, their boss, whomever. And sometimes the expectations are unrealistic. And the one thing that I always say is expectations ruin relationships, you know, because they tend to set the expectation high. And, you know, when they can't meet that expectation, then there's a disappointment that steps in. So it's one of those things that we need to just allow people to be human and allow them to be their perfect imperfect selves. And, and recognize that, you know what, we all are not going to meet expectation. So get over it. And regardless of who that celebrity is, 
they're still human. They still bleed, you know, and you can't expect them to be some superhuman because you see them singing and dancing and whatever else they do. No question. No question about it. Nope. 